Hey, welcome to the 293rd episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I'm currently talking about John Byrne's Fantastic Four from 1980s. I might, there might be a movie uh, a detour this week. I might talk about a movie that I haven't seen before. A really good movie. Um, and sometimes I talk about comic off-my-mind topics. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help by help out by going to coffee.com slash shaman from heck you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four that is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck all right so this week obviously uh, the big feature is super mario brothers super mario brothers movie or super mario i don't know if it's if it's actually called a super mario brothers i don't know i should know that i'll, I'll know eventually even though i've seen it uh so yeah you'll hear about that then there is uh, also Tetris, which is an Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus movie. Taron Egerton. I, it came out, I think, the week before, but I didn't get a chance to watch it in time for last week's episode. And also figured, hey, Mario Brothers, Tetris, Nintendo, it's, it all makes sense, right? So you can hear, hear about that. And then, uh, of, of course, there's going to be just a regular TV shows. Uh, we got uh, Mandalorian. We got The Flash, Superman, Lois, uh, School Spirits. And Star Trek's Picard. Did I say that already? Um, I think that's it. And then comic books. So let, let's get to news. This past weekend was Star Wars Celebration. Uh, I think it was in, in London this year. I don't, I would, I don't even know. Uh, I went went to one Star Wars Celebration when it was in Anaheim. And that, that was really cool. That was before uh, The Last Jedi. <laughs> I think I always get the Star Wars movies names. It's just so bad. The, the, the recent trilogy... So I know we have Rise of Skywalker, which was the last movie, The Last Jedi, The Force, no, Force Awakens, right? Force Awakens was episode seven. It's so bad that I don't know. And it's, it's, I'm not trying to insult the movies. I know a lot of people really didn't like them. I, I had a fun time with them. I, I enjoyed them. Are they great or whatever? You know, it's just like the, the original trilogy. I enjoyed those. Are those great or anything compared to, no, they're all different. Who cares? I just want to see these Star Wars characters, see the Star Wars universe, and and I I enjoyed all of that, but a lot of people, whatever, we're not going to get into that. So there's um yeah, so when I went, it was it was before Force Awakens, and it was it was really cool and it was an exciting time, and you know before everything came out. So we got a lot of news from this week. One thing, and I, I feel like I just recently was, was talking about this. There's going to be a new Star Wars movie with Ray. Daisy Ridley is coming back. I think that's amazing. That's awesome. And again, some people will be like, oh, Ray's back. But then just shut up and don't go watch it. You know, no, no one, I just don't understand. You are entitled to your opinion. Like, if I really don't like something, does anyone want to hear me just, like, pooping all over it? I, I don't see how that's fun or interesting. And then especially if it's if it's something you, you really like, and I'm, I'm saying how much I hate it or don't like it or whatever, I just think that that's not, not fun. That's not what you want to hear about. If, if I said, 
I, I always do this. I, I try to come up with something and, and I can never think of of anything. Let's say <laughs> I really don't like eating raw. Uh, no, that's you know, I say raw onions, but that's not big enough. I don't know. You know what I'm saying. So it's just, I, I whatever. So new <laughs> new Ray movie. I'm excited about that because as I've mentioned before, I was under an impression that the next movies was going to be like passing the torch that, you know, we, we would get this, this gap between our original characters like Luke and Leia and Han, Shabbat, you know, all, all them, and then get introduced to new characters so we can expand the stories, you know, to move forward because these original characters, obviously they're not going to be around forever. You know, rest in peace, Carrie Fisher. And even like Han Solo, spoiler, you know, Han Solo doesn't make it. Harrison Ford, thankfully, is still with us. Han Solo is not. And, and then what happened to Luke? I still don't know. If anything, that I have issues with that. It's like, what the heck? That makes I still understand that. And I don't want to understand that right now. It seems like we have Rey and on her new mission or direction and stuff like that. We still got like the stuff that was teased with, with Finn. It, it, is he force sensitive or not? You know, because originally in the concept stuff, he had a lightsaber, whatever. And, you know, maybe we could, see, I don't, I have a feeling we're not going to see Poe. I feel like Oscar Isaac is just way too busy. Hopefully they could squeeze him in somewhere. But like, what's, what's happening now, you know, with, with everything, where's, where what's everyone been doing? So I, I'm, I, I would love to, to see more and expand that. So we'll have to see about that. Um, there was also a trailer for Ahsoka. So that's coming out in August of this year. And um, I think it looks good. I think there, there's a lot going on here. I, I still, I'm on the fence about you know Rosario Dawson as, as Ahsoka. I'm okay with it. You know, she, she was, she was good in Mandalorian. No, book, book, book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian. No, she was a Mandalorian. <laughs> I, I, it's all just Star Wars to me. Just, just blend it all together. What's exciting about this is this is kind of picking up a lot of threads from Star Wars Rebels. So here's the thing. If you haven't watched Star Wars Rebels, one, it's really good. It took, I'll admit, I didn't completely warm up to it in the beginning. I was like, yeah, okay, this is fine. And I think part of it was I didn't know who these characters were. I didn't have a connection to them. And, and that was like always my thing. You know, tr- how am I going to connect with these characters who I don't know anything about? It's like, what would I care? But then... I think also then the show started getting better, like the writing and, and everything. Just, just the stories got better. I would recommend going to check that out just to see see what happens. I mean, it, things get get pretty intense and pretty pretty nuts toward towards the end of that. And a lot of that is picking up here. I'm super excited that we have Sabine that, that she's going to be in here, and um, and we also we, we see Chopper in here. We we see um, Hera. Uh, Sindula, she's in here. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. So now we know what she's doing. She's she's playing Hera, and it looks like you know they're they're talking about uh, an heir to the Empire. So we got Thrawn. You know he's going to be um, coming back. And again, if you watch Star Wars Rebels, you know. And then there's what what happened to Ezra. Where's Ezra at? So not Ezra Miller. Ezra in Star Wars. And and who are these like Dark Force users? You know are they, are they Sith? Are they not Sith? So I, I think there's there's a, a lot of, a lot of cool stuff going under. Oh, one thing I didn't mention, I, I remember with a, I think if if I remember correctly, I might be getting things mixed up. Pretty sure the Ray movie 
is going to be called, or not be called, they, they don't have a name. It's going to be written by the Peaky Blinders creator, Stephen Knight. So he's he's going to be writing the script. So uh, hopefully that, that's going to be good. Um, also, uh, Dave Filani is going to be directing a movie, which is cool because he's done a lot of amazing things. And it's supposed to be some sort of like Mandalorian, Ahsoka character crossover or something. I have no idea what, what that even means, but I, I'm down with that. James Mangold, what? He's also going to be directing a Star Wars movie, but he wants to go like way back to the beginning. He like, like I think it was like, like 25,000 years in the, in the past. Like who, I, I think they're talking about like who was the first Jedi, you know, just the whole starting with the force stuff. And I, that, that just seems really crazy. Like, okay. Cause to me, you know, me and my old timey stuff, I'm like, you're going 25,000 years in the past. Whoo. I don't know if I can handle that. Even though star Wars is a long time ago. Right. So it's all in the past, but that, that could be interesting to see how, how it first started. Like, who was the first person to actually discover you can use it? Because it had to start somewhere. It's, right? It's not like the Force was always around. And it's just really weird to think. It's like, what was the Star Wars universe like 25,000 years ago? Because, you know, did they still, was it all still spaceships and, and you know, blasters? Or, <laughs> I don't know. It's, I have no idea. Uh, Donald Glover, he's a, so I guess they'll sort of talking to Lucasfilm. You know, he's he's down with playing Lando again. Um, there's absolutely nothing, no 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 confirmation of anything there. But but he's you know he's in talks. He's still talking to him every now and then. So we may. I I still want Solo too. Do Disney Plus Solo show. Um, Andor season two might be back August. Uh, 2024 so we might have a so over, over a year of that nothing confirmed then there's um, some information about star wars skeleton crew uh i'm i'm obviously i'm, I'm hesitant about this it's it's supposed to be a group of kids and right there i'm like ah, really but jude law is also in it and um it's supposed to be Sort of like a Amblin, like coming of age adventure film from like the eighties, like all these kids in the Star Wars universe or something like that. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I really don't don't know about that. So we'll see. And I think I think it was Skeleton Crew. There's supposed to be a, a villain from the Mandalorian. So I'm trying to think who were the villains in the Mandalorian. You know, it's like have we had a whole lot um, besides what, what's his name? Uh, you know who I'm talking about, Moff. Gideon, he's the only villain I can really think of. I hope not. <laughs> Maybe we'll see. Then there's Star Wars Acolyte. So with these, with Skeleton Crew and, and Acolyte, I haven't been like really paying a whole lot of attention to him. I thought a bunch of stuff was canceled. I, I'm glad that these are still still going, but I really don't know don't know much. They showed some footage from Star Wars Acolyte, but it's not wasn't posted online. It's only for people who were at Celebration. And it's supposed to be eight episodes. And I think that they've had four of them, only have four of them complete so far. And they described it as Frozen meets Kill Bill. And it's supposed to be from a villain's point of view, which is interesting. Now, this movie is supposed to be taking place hundreds of years before the prequel trilogy. And I, f I forget how you say her name. Amand Amandla? Is that right? Is it is it like, Amand like Amanda but with an L? Amandla Stenberg... 
so she's uh, the lead actress in it. And I, I think in the, the footage that they showed, she's like attempting to kill a Jedi played by uh, Carrie Ann Moss, which I did. I know she was in it. I, I don't know. But they're looking at 2024 for a release of that on Disney+. Plus. So we, we have a lot of Star Wars stuff. But it's cool that we're actually going to be getting some movies because, you know, what was the last Star Wars movie? There's It's all been Disney+, Plus, which is fine. You know, we're getting all these shows because I'm down with the shows because, you know, you can expand a story and, you know, tell, tell, make, make it a longer story. I guess there was a new Guardians of the Galaxy featurette. I didn't watch it because now I, you know, I, I did get my tickets for, 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 the, for the movie. But now as it gets closer, it's like I don't need to see... I don't need to know anything more. You know, I feel like I already know enough, so we'll have to see. Although I did see a headline where James Gunn said that Thor was never meant to be. He was never going to be in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. He was never in the script. Because I don't know if people were talking about, like, oh, they cut him out or this or that or whatever. But he, it was never going to happen. So, okay, whatever. I didn't want to re- re- even read more into that because I don't need to know anything more about that. My Adventures with Superman. So I think I'm... Did I talk about that last week? How originally it was going to be on HBO Max and and Cartoon Network. Now it's just Cartoon Network. It's going to be an Adult Swim. So they released a teaser trailer for it. It's only like 15 seconds. Like super short. It's supposed to be like like a young... Just a whole younger cast. You know, younger Superman, Lois, and Jimmy. And Superman is, I think, dealing with developing his secret identity and being Superman and, and stuff like that. And I think Lois is getting close to uncovering the truth about Superman and everything. I hope it's not a matter of like, what is Superman's secret identity? Because it always drives me nuts when, like, why do you assume someone like Superman would have a quote unquote secret identity? He's flying around without a mask or anything on there. So like, that's him. It would be one thing if it was like Batman. What is Batman's secret identity? He wears a cowl. He wears a mask all the time. So he must have a secret identity. But Superman, you're like, okay, he's an alien from another planet. He lives in in the Fortress of Solitude. So maybe that's all he does all the time. You know, he doesn't have a secret identity. So why? And that was like Lex Luthor's thing during John Byrne's run, which I loved. That he just he it's like, what are you talking about? Why would he ever you know pose as a human when he has all his power? But we'll see. It, 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 I really like this, this style. It look, looks pretty slick. So I'll have to find out when that comes to set the DVR since it's not going to be on HBO Max right away. So you got to make sure you don't don't miss it. Uh, there was a also a trailer for uh, Blue Beetle. That's coming out, I think, in August. And it has... Uh, what's his name? I, I don't know how you say his name. But it has Miguel from, from Cobra Kai. He's, he's playing Jaime Reyes. It, the trailer looks good. And I thought it was going to be an HBO Max movie, but it's actually going to be in theaters, which is cool. It it looks like it looks good. I mean, it, it looks like they, they put some money into it. It doesn't look like like just cobbled together, you know, cheap effects or whatever. So I'm down with seeing it. My only concern is like, okay, Jaime gets the scarab. He turns into Blue Beetle. And then there's the evil business woman villain who wants the power for themselves and that, you know, because it's always like you, you always have the the rich business person who will do crazy, insane things, break every law imaginable, spend all this money just to get one thing where it's like, dude, if you spent that money on something else, you wouldn't have to be trying to steal whatever you're trying to do or breaking all these laws. But 
guess it's like a hobby or I, I don't know. There was a, oh, um, Peacemaker season two, apparently it's not going to be out for a while. Uh, because of James Gunn's involvement, you know, he's focusing, one, he's focusing on a DC universe stuff in general, right? But he's also going to be working on Superman Legacy since he's writing the script and then he's going to be directing it. So he's he's going to be busy. And, and then after that is done, I guess, then they'll, they'll look at Peacemaker Season 2. So that's going to be like at least two years, you know, from now. Maybe he'll find time to, you know, write, you know, start working, tweaking, you know, you know, laying out the outlines or groundwork or something. So, it, it, but I guess the question would be like, where will the DC universe be by then? And, and you know, how are they going to, are they going to acknowledge anything in the past or just kind of like, like, shoot, let's just like kind of slide over and, and not worry about, you know, specific details or whatever. And I think that would just be the best way to do it. But we'll see. Uh, Joker, folly adieu, however you say that. It wrapped filming. And I'm just like, whatever. I am so incredibly not excited for Joker 2. Joker, whatever you want to call this. And and again, this is something. I don't want to poo-poo all over in case someone like absolutely loved it. My problem is, you know, I I like the movie. Uh, When it came out, I... I realized I don't own it. I don't own physical media that I, I just, I bought a digital copy cause I, I want to watch it again. And then I was like, let's watch it at home. Uh, it's just, my problem with it is why call it Joker? Joker does not have a name. Joker's name is not Arthur Fleck, Flick, Fleck, Flick, Fleck, Flack, whatever his name is. That is not Joker. Why are they calling it Joker? Uh, it's not the Joker. That's my problem with it. And then, you know, we're like, oh, Lady Gaga, Harley Quinn, or whatever. I'm just, I'm still like falling asleep. Like, okay, whatever. Who cares? And it is supposed to be a musical. I'm going to watch it, of course. Heck yeah. I am just so not, not excited for it. I just do not care, but I'll see it. <laughs> whatever. But if you're excited, I, again, I am super happy for you. I hope you are so incredibly excited. You cannot wait. I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> Uh, Across the Spider Verse. There's another trailer for that. Was there? See, now I'm trying to get because you know I, I feel like there was another trailer. I feel like we just had the first trailer, and then I think we had the other trailer. And part, yeah, I think it came out. It was like a really weird time. I think was it like Monday at like 2 a.m. or some weird time? No, maybe it was before that. Because I think what had happened, if if I if I'm correct. I think it came out like it wasn't midnight, uh, and I'm I'm talking about you know Pacific West Coast time, but I remember something. I just I kind of woke up at two a.m. and then you know I checked the time or it did something, or maybe I might have fallen asleep and not turned my my alarm on my phone. Which oh my goodness, thank you know hope, thank goodness I woke up and remembered that, and then I just I think I hit Instagram. <laughs> so like why the heck am I checking Instagram like two forty seven a.m. or whatever time it was. And then I was like, oh, there's a, a new trailer. <laughs> and I think I watched it and then I went back to sleep. So anyways, new new trailer. Um, it I, I'm excited. I'm not going to say anything more because if you've seen it, you know. If you haven't seen it, then I don't want to spoil it for you. So we won't say anything about that. Russell Crowe 
I didn't read. I don't want to. I don't really want to know too much about this. But he just made a comment or some comments, I guess, about Craven the Hunter. That it's it's going to be dark. It's it's not going to be lighthearted, which I would hope not. Uh, I I just hope it's good. You know, Morbius. No offense to anyone involved in Morbius, but it's Morbius. And again, I don't care who was involved with it. Why make a movie on Morbius? I I see that's the thing. If you like Morbius, I don't want to be here sitting here talking about how much of a weenie he is. If if you love him, but I just I don't understand. Of all the characters. You know why Morbius? I I, I don't know. <laughs> it's Morbin time, right? Uh, what else do we have for news? Jensen Ackles says, uh, I, I guess he he mentioned he's gonna he's returning as Soldier Boy, but not in the Boys next season in that Gen V spinoff show. Uh, okay, um, and and I don't really know. I haven't been keeping up with that, so I don't know anything about that. Like when that's taking pl- place, if that's like current and whatever. Because again, I don't I don't want to I I don't like spoiling. I don't like spoilers, but I have to research some of the news as much news as I can for, for all of you. But that's all you're gonna get on that. <laughs> and then the the last bit of news, there was a trailer for Secret Invasion. And I'm really excited for that. I, I think it looks really cool. And it, it makes it... I, I almost feel like a little nervous about that. This is going to be kind of crazy. Like like the can of worms that they're opening. I mean, just the whole idea. And and it's not like... You know, we, we've had scrolls already. You know, we have scrolls in, in Captain Marvel. And, and so they've been around since the 90s in, in the Marvel Universe. So it's just kind of crazy to think about that who knows i mean if you think about the comics like anyone could be a, a scroll and you don't don't it's so hard to to figure that out the only cool thing that would be it's like you know like which is not going to happen but like what if what if tony stark was a scroll and he you know it was the earliest scroll that, that killed or sacrificed himself or whatever and then he robert downey jr can come back but actually what would be better sorry robert downey jr if Black Widow was a scroll and she's still alive, trapped in some scroll ship somewhere, and then she's like, dude, what's going on? And because, you know, maybe these scrolls, you know, they, they go so deep undercover, like psychologically, you know, and they actually believe that they're a hero. And then when some secret, you know, catchphrase sounds, and then they revert back and they're like, oh, I got to report to the scroll queen. And, I don't know. But what I do know, <laughs> um, the trailer looked good. And I also know that that's going to be the news for the week. All right. With comic books, um, obviously, I do I need to say it? I was not able to read everything as much as I would have liked to this week. Um, it's just school, you know, teaching, report cards, um, just trying to survive. I, I don't know what happened to this this week. But... At Image Comics, um, one thing I, I do want to mention, uh, the Black Science Compendium trade paperback came out. I realized I never finished this sequel. What? Um, this is Rick Remender and Matteo Scalera. So I, I just remember when this first came out. Oh, when did it, it came out? I remember 
I'm, I'm sure I must have reviewed it when it when it came out on on Comic Line, and um, it's just it's really great. This might have been the first time I really noticed uh, Matteo Scalera. I just love his art. It's just it's it's so amazing, and obviously Rick Remender is, is you know super super cool writer. And um, there's some cool stuff. So you can get this. It's 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 around sixty bucks, but it's it contains forty three issues, and it's just a, a lot of really really cool. Um, yeah, I, I'm not gonna. Re- I was I was about to read the synopsis. Of this. If you've heard of it, you know. If you haven't heard of it, read the synopsis. Trust me. Um, and these compendium. I mean, it's 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 kind of hefty. It's massive, and and that's what's what's really cool. And you, you got the whole story there, so I would would recommend that. Then there's a um, what I did read. Um, I and I'm tempted. It's like I should I should pick that up. I I I might just just get that. Blood Tree number three came out. So this is a Peter Tomasi um, written comic with a uh, Maxim Simic doing the art. So we have these two detectives. They're hunting down this like serial killer, and what he's doing is when he kills his victim, uh, or he kills a person, he he puts like wings around. He's he killing the family. He's killing like members, other other people, and and but they have like legit wings, like they're angels, and you know. So he's basically going and collecting the wings you know, killing goose or whatever, and then plucking all the feathers and making these elaborate wings. So they're just trying to figure out how, how they could catch this killer and everything like that. And they're getting closer and things are getting dangerous. And it's, um, it, it's a cool, cool comic. Cause you know, it, it's nice to have something a, a little, little different just to, um, you know, rather instead of, obviously I, I spend so much time just, talking about superhero comics, but you know, it's, it's nice to have other things as well. Um, Hell to pay issue four. So this is Charles soul and will Sliney. Um, unfortunately this is one I did not read. So the, the premise here, we had these two, this, um, male, this couple, they're actually, they are a couple and they're like hunting these magic artifacts and everything. They're like indebted to the, this organization. They sort of had to hunt down like all these coins like demon coins and then once they find all the coins i forget if there's like 500 of them or 200 of them or whatever then their 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 um commitment is is done and they're they're free and clear so right before you know they get the the last one they got one coin left and um the the woman she's pregnant you know because they're they're a couple but the only thing is while you're indebted to this organization you're you're not supposed to get pregnant you're not supposed to you know so that that's an issue but they're like okay we can do it now we'll be free but when they get that last coin there's actually two coins so how can there be 201 or whatever it doesn't make any sense they go to return it this is all like first issue stuff so i'm not spoiling this this week just telling you why you should be reading this they go to turn in their stuff they're like hey we actually found two and this is like a legit coin it's not like a forge or anything like that here you go thanks um, I'm sure you'll, you'll find someone to investigate this. Catch you later. Thanks for everything you've done. They're like, wait, you're not done yet. You you got to figure this out now. If there's this coin, you got to go find any other extra ones now. But they're like, so that that's the the, the, the premise and everything. Like, who's making these other coins? What's going on? And and yeah. Oh, man. I just realized uh, I hate this place. Issue seven. I didn't read that one. This is this has been a cool cool uh, comic, and the the first arc 
you know, we have this this couple, these two women. Uh, one of them inherits this farm. So they're like, all right, we're going to go live on this farm for like a year, you know, fix it up, everything like that. Then we'll sell it, you know, because the farm's like in the middle of nowhere, sell it, and then we can get our dream home or whatever, you know, just do all that. Problem is, one of the rules is like, <laughs> do not go outside. Don't, you know, go out of the farm at night because there's like all these like ghosts and crazy things out there. But then also mixed into the story, there's these, I think they're bank robbers and they they were trying to turn on each other. So two of them like end up getting killed, but like the money is like buried somewhere. So this other remaining guy who's no jokes, you know, you don't want to mess with this dude. He's a stone cold killer. He gets a job as like a farm hand and, you know, things just escalate from there. But what's interesting in the second arc is we find out the other woman who didn't inherit the, the, the farm, you know, she's like this kind of like military specialist. Like, what what is her deal? You know, weapons specialist lady. Uh, we we get the back background story of like her family, like where she came from, and like her dad's kind of had like this cult going on, and she like just wanted to get out of there. And then they like come to the, the farm, and um, yeah, so that was like the last issue. Uh, there was a new comic, Jack. How was it, Jack? Junk Rabbit Number One. So this is by Jimmy Robinson, and I started reading this, and I'll, I'll admit this was like one of the last ones. I was like, okay, I got it. I I'm behind schedule. I need to. I should have already started recording. I'm trying to, you know, read as as much more that I didn't get around to. I started reading this, and it just it wasn't capturing me right away. I'm curious. I don't know. Um, so the synopsis is a new hero rises from mountains of consumer waste, mass homelessness, and devastating climate change. Some call the hero a myth, urban legend, but others know that it's the junk rabbit come to life. Jimmy Robinson brings a new take to the dystopian tale of how climate disasters alters not only our world, but also the heroes that literally literally rise from it. Swamp Thing meets Robocop. So this is, I, I think it's supposed to be like like 100 years in the future or something like that. And, you know, everything, like the landfills are all full. The incinerators can't handle everything. And there's junk everywhere. And um, yeah, this is a problem. This is a serious problem. And and I totally get that. It's it's not that it felt like preach or anything, but there's just a lot of like background, whatever. And then you see this guy. And it, I, I, for something, I don't know what it was. It's just, it just wasn't calling my name. And like I said, maybe because there's just too much other stuff to read. So I, I just didn't get to it. Um, Love Everlasting issue six. I didn't read this. Um, so this must have been on a break because I kept, I was, I was like, is it over? Cause it, so this is a Tom King Elsa uh, charge here. I don't know if that's how you say it. Um, I'm, I'm really interested. Or, I'm curious about, about this because it's, kind of like the old school love comics which which i think is, is kind of you know kind of cheesy in a way but every time something tragic happens in this woman like the love is just like someone dies or she dies or something bad happens and then like the next issue she's in like this other story so it's like she's starting to become aware of this like what the heck is going on here and i i have no idea where this is going so yeah i'm, I'm just kind of bummed that I need more time. I don't know what, what what's going on. Why? Oh, and then um, nightclub issue four. I'm still behind on that. I need to get caught up on that. So that's a Mark Miller comic, and yeah, I didn't read that. 
I didn't read Radiant Pink. I don't know if I'm, I can't, actually, I, I can't remember if I've been keeping up with Radiant Pink. I don't know if, if I read, because this is the fourth issue. So I don't know about that. Maybe. Um, but yeah, I definitely didn't read that. And and part of the reason I didn't read that is because I was like, I think I'm behind on that. So I'm not going to read that. But someday I'll, I'll get caught up. At DC Comics, there was uh, The Joker, The Man Who Stopped Laughing, Issue 7. I'm not sure what's going on here. Uh, so this is continuing. Because why do we have more than one Joker? Because I'm pretty sure it's not the same joke. You know, it's like we get one's in L.A., one's in Gotham. What's going on? And, and it'd be one thing if it was like a three Jokers like connection. But I don't think that's the case. So I don't know what's happening. But in L.A., where um we get uh manhunter kate um kate kate spencer is that her name and uh it, it's I, i'm I, I don't know how i really feel i don't know much about the character you know so i can't say that i'm a fan or anything like that but i for some reason i was i was kind of excited to see her here and which is just weird because normally i'm i don't even think about her you know i i think we recently she was in the leviathan crossover but she kind of gets mixed up into this. And it's interesting when she's introduced in the con when we first see her, like what, what her situation is and, you know, how she's trying to balance her life and being a vigilante or whatever. So I, I really thought that that was like a cool approach. And, and, and I'm sure it's, it's not something new with the character, but it, it was, it was interesting to see. And then, you know, news of, you know, craziness happens with, you know, Joker's up to something or whatever. And, so she goes to get mixed up in it, and so that that was interesting. The backup um, story, it, it's they're always kind of weird and wonky. Uh, this one wasn't quite as as uh, weird and and whatever as as they've been recently, but it's it's yeah, it is. I guess it is weird, but I just I'm not sure where where what's going on in this series. I, I I almost feel like I missed something because when this first issue came about, I'm like, wait, what? Did it, did I miss like a? Did I read the first issue? Did it was there like a zero? I don't know. Then there's a the Flash, <laughs> the Flash seven ninety six. So this is a the Minute War um, finale. Thank goodness. Um, when when I start opening this or when I you know looked at the cover, part of me is like. How many issues has this been? For a, a story called The One Minute War or whatever, it feels like it's been forever. <laughs> and I think, I don't know. I mean, I hope people are excited about this story. Arc. I hope they enjoyed it. Something about it just, I, I think it might be the kids. I think it might be, um, uh, I can't even think of the kid's name. I Ray and um, what's the kid's name? Uh, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Um, anyways, Wally's kids. I, 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 it's kind of like when they shove the, the kids on a sitcom. You know, it's like, oh, we're going to introduce a story about someone being pregnant. And then all of a sudden the kids are like, you know, five years old because they don't want to deal with the years in between. Uh, I just, I don't know. And so, yeah, we it just wraps up the story. And it was a, it was a fine conclusion, but I just, I wasn't super crazy about it. I have no idea what's happening next because I'm trying not to read the solicits and all that. But um, I, I hope people liked it. I mean, it was cool to see all the different speedsters, you know, together. So hopefully we get some cool stuff coming up. 
Then there's Poison Ivy 11. Um, <laughs> I'm not really sure what to say about this. This has been okay. You know, so it's it, this, this has been a weird series. It started off with like Poison Ivy. She's like, I'm going to kill all mankind. I'm going to release this these spores or whatever. She's going to eat everyone up, turn them into plants or whatever, and all this stuff like that. But then she kind of like like, eh, maybe I shouldn't do that. You know, she kind of sees, you know, things a little differently. And then the the, the the spore stuff kind of evolves or whatever. And and then she's like living in Seattle with some she's rooming with some lady. And then Harley shows up. <laughs> and then Harley says, I got to go back to Gotham. I got you know stuff going on. But uh, Poison Ivy's like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'm going to stay here for a little bit. And then, and then it turns out like her roommate kind of has a crush on Poison Ivy, even though she's like fully committed to Harley and all this stuff like that. Then she's like, oh, let's go to the spa. But then it turns out the spa, the person in charge, is feeding them these like hallucinatory, is that even the word? Hallucinatory like mushrooms. But the mushrooms kind of have these sort of spores. Some, it's, it's Things get like all weird and everything. And then, uh, yeah, things go from there. Um, then there is Batman and the Joker, the Deadly Duo, issue six. So this is the Mark Silvestri series. And you know the the art, it, it, the art is is it's slick. It's something you know. It's it's just something about Mark Silvestri's art. You know whether is it like '90s art? I don't know if that that's a good way to describe it. I don't know if that's an insult way to describe it. But it's just you know there's something about it. It's just it just takes me back. So it might be like a nostalgia thing, or maybe it's just really good art. I I, I can't really pinpoint it right now, and I don't feel like figuring it out because we got things to do, right? We got things to talk about. Uh, but at this point in the story, so I, I kind of, you know, I, I like the premise. It's something different. Batman and Joker teaming up. It seems like it's so wrong on every single level. It, and it's just, it's wrong. It's weird. But it makes for something different. So it makes it an interesting story. But then it's just, it, it's, you know, we're in issue six now. So it's like, okay, come on already. And, and of, of course, spoiler Joker is going to kind of like sort of betray Batman a little bit as soon as he can because of something. And uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been, it's been interesting. And then uh, um, Batman 134, I just opened up the issue and I'm seeing this, uh, the backup story, uh, which I'll get to in a second. Okay. So Batman recently fought this fail safe, computer program thing that accidentally got unleashed and it's supposed to deal with Batman if he ever goes rogue. But he didn't go rogue. It's just trying to stop him. And anyone who helping him is going to get, you know, so this huge thing. Batman ends up getting, like, zapped. But he really gets into, like, an alternate Earth. So he's trapped there. No one knows where Batman is. They, is he dead? They're, it looks like he's dead. He can't be dead, right? Tim Drake is like so certain that he's he's not dead, so he's trying to do what he can to, to find him and everything. But we're so Batman in this other world. He ends up in this other Gotham where things are just totally turned upside down. Bruce Wayne there died, so there is no Batman. So he's like, of course, because he's the hero. He's trying to help the people of Gotham because things are just so messed up and everything like that. So you got all that going on. I'm not super excited about it, which is weird because. You know, normally uh, I, I'm I'm down with Chip Zdarsky. You know, I've, I've loved everything that he's written, 
but it's just I, I think part of it because it almost feels like an else world. It's not an else world because it is. It's our Bruce Wayne. He's just in, in an else world. <laughs> he's in another Earth. So we have that. You know, it's, it's cool to explore and all that. I I just want him back. And I I think part of the problem is also because in Detective I'm not feeling the vibe of that. So it's just like I I don't have a Batman book that I'm I'm totally loving right now because they're two in separate places. Which whatever, that's just my problem. <laughs> the the thing. Um, so in the backup story, you know, Tim Drake is like I I've got to find him. I know where he's at, or I'm going to track him down. He's got this new costume. And at first I'm like, wait, where the heck does costume come from? Because I don't think we saw it last issue in the backup. And but then part of me is like, okay, if he's gonna try to go to another Earth, maybe it's like some special suit, whatever. It's a Robin costume. It has, excuse my French, a big ass R on it. It's a humongous R. Like on his like his entire torso is an R. <laughs> and I don't know if it's supposed to be cool or whatever it just it looks so weird the reason i was like well maybe it's a suit because when you know he's working with mr terrific and you know to try to get there and it, it starts glowing with like power to send him whatever and i was like maybe this is just a special suit that why the big ass are oh my gosh i just i and it is i i think part of it also because you know robin's costume you know, it's got red, green, and yellow. Weird combination of colors, but it works. It's such an awesome design. You know, if you even if you talk about the original Robin, you know, even the 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 the, the, sh- the short shorts and the the pixie boots or whatever, it's a classic costume. You know, whether you like it or not, or think it works or so the the colors they're a horrific combination of colors, but it's it's so incredibly awesome for Robin. But then when you got this humongous R, this bright yellow mixed with the red and the green it's like what is going on i don't know so we have that then there's adventures of super or adventures of superman john kent issue two issue two issue two <laughs> basically uh ultraman from earth three he's been going around i guess the multiverse killing superman supermans supermans superman and uh it's like that's you can't do that you know whatever so President Superman, um, Superman Earth 23, and Red Tornado Lois. Where's she from? Is she from Earth 2? Anyways, they're they're like, we gotta we need to stop this. So they go to Earth Zero or Earth Prime or whatever. I always get it mixed up. And they're like, hey John, we need your help to stop this dude. And he's like, well, but my dad, he's off planet. They're like, yeah, that's why we came here, because he would never go for this. So they're being a little sneaky. So John's going to go, and um, they you know, they, they try to track him down. But the thing is, John has this past with, with Ultraman, because he kidnapped him, stuck him in a volcano when he was a kid. He was trapped there for years, like out of time. I don't remember how the time thing happened. So then he, he basically lost years of his life away from his parents which sucks. So, you know, he's got this strong connection, this beef against Ultraman and they track him down. And, um, the, the whole, like the last page is like a Holy crap. It's <laughs> like, like I, I did not see that coming. Um, what we know about when this, this series was announced or teased or whatever is 
it's gonna going to lead John to um, injustice Earth, injustice Superman or whatever. So that's gonna be interesting. There's also been um, like hints and teases of John with uh, electric powers. And so, you know, there's going to be some, like, development with John or anything like that. But, yeah, all I'll say is that that last page, it it was definitely, like, what? <laughs> so, you, you should um, you should check it out. Because it's, it's pretty nuts. At Marvel, there was Amazing Spider-Man, number 23. And I am, I'm a little concerned where this is going. I... Is it obvious? I, I don't know. Will there be spoilers here? Maybe. So we're going back. We're finding out finally after 20-something issues what the heck happened. Why why, why is everyone mad at Spider-Man? What was this big explosion? And um, how is Mary Jane like married or whatever and with kids? Like what? What is going on? It was only like six months from the previous Spider-Man issue. So what had happened is Spider-Man messed with some dude wanting to ascend to be a god or whatever. Spider-Man was tagged. Him and Mary Jane get pulled to this other dimension. And this dude, Paul, is there because he worked with the guy before. So he was like trapped over there. And they have a or something because of Spider-Man being marked that he could cause like bad things if if he gets killed or captured or whatever. So they need to get out of there. Um, they uh, have a device. They make a device so Mary Jane can you know because it's like we got to get Mary Jane out of here because she's you know we've got to save her. She's got to go back and then tell Reed or Iron Man or whoever you know that this is happening. But Mary Jane at the last minute sends, you know, switches the thing, puts it on Peter, so he he returns back. And then he then he realizes, and this is where I'm starting to get more and more nervous. When he when Peter returns back there, time is all messed up. So I think he actually went back in time a little bit, like before he left or something. Does that make sense? Because they're talking about like spring training he's like that was nectar that was last week but it hadn't even started yet or something but something with the time running differently there so he realizes that for as long you know whatever all for the amount of time it takes him to actually get things going because he he goes to the fantastic four reed and sue aren't there or you know so he he can't get any help from from them but he it's like the longer it takes him to figure things out, what does this mean for Mary Jane? You know, what is going on over there? So what I think, and this, so this isn't necessarily a spoiler because it hasn't been confirmed here, but I'm worried that Mary Jane is actually spending like five years there. So she ends up with this, you know, trying to survive with this Paul dude they end up through the whatever adventures or just a, just trying to survive, getting close, and then they end up falling for each other. And because, you know, who knows if they're ever going to get out of there. And, you know, they have each other or whatever. And then, then she gets pregnant, and then she gets pregnant again. And then somehow then they end up back. 
I just, I, I, I just don't, don't know. So, because it's weird. It's like, okay, maybe Mary Jane is, you know, dating this dude who has two kids. But I'm like, why are they calling her mom if she's only been dating him less than six months? But the thing is, if they are her kids, that if, if they're really her kids, that's just really annoying because she had a kid with Peter, but then they quote unquote killed the baby. The baby was was dead, but then we know that she was really taken out or taken away. Norman Osborne, um, I forgot what that lady's name. Hog, Hog, Hogs, I don't know. Who cares? So it's like, okay, Mary Jane can't have a kid with, with Peter, or she kind of can, which is Mayday Parker in the M2 universe, but she's going to have kids with this other dude, and the, you know Peter and Mary Jane can't be together. So it's like, if even if something happens to Paul, like let's say he dies or they get divorced and she's still got these two kids, I don't think that they're going to ever want to put Peter and Mary Jane back together if she has two kids because if they don't want to have Peter married with Mary Jane they're not going to have Peter with Mary Jane and two kids because then it's a matter of Peter juggling you know a sacred identity of the kids I don't know I just want Peter and MJ to be together but we I guess we can't have that then there's a the Avengers war across time so this is by Paul Levitz and Alan Davis um, it's like old school Avengers uh, adventure, so th- it's really cool because it's it's like you know from the, from the sixties, uh, you know. So we're we're just getting you know a, a lot of this Stanley Jack Kirby vibes out of this, and uh, I'm not super crazy, but so we had the the dude who the dwarf whatever that made Mjolnir. I don't like the fact that because he forged it, he's able to take it and pick it up. Because it's supposed to only be whoever is worthy. So yeah, okay, fine. He made it, but it hasn't been. In, it's not just a regular hammer. It's enchanted, and it's supposed to. I don't see why there's this loophole just because he made it. But that just seems weird. I don't know. And because he's all angry, he accidentally ended up on Earth. So he's he of course thinks Thor's responsible, and it's just that makes no sense. Um, but we got some fun adventures. And then, you know, we're so Kang is like in, in the outskirts and he's uh, making his move. So we're going to get more King King in, in the next issue. Then we have Captain America, uh, Sentinel of Liberty. So it wraps up their story, which I wasn't been super crazy about this circle thing, whatever. And uh, I don't know, but we'll see what's going to happen next. Uh, um, then we have Cosmic Ghostwriter. I didn't read, I kind of skimmed through this one. The first issue was, or the last issue, eh, I don't know. Because I'm, I'm trying to remember what happened the last time we saw a Cosmic Ghost Rider. And it's just, the whole idea of Cosmic Ghost Rider bringing Frank Castle in the future is weird. Um, but fine, okay, whatever. And then the last issue is like, wait, he was giving it up, but then he wasn't. And then someone's coming for him. Um so I ended up not reading this. Uh, and then uh, I'm not reading Ghost Rider. Uh, I didn't read I Am Iron Man issue two. I wasn't super crazy about the first issue. Maybe I should give this one a, a chance, you know, this the series. But the the first issue just, I, I just, I didn't really feel it. Um, it does kind of have like a slightly different 
feeling to it, which was kind of cool in, in a way, but it was just a matter of, I, I don't have time, so I'm, I'm not going to read it. Same thing with Immoral X-Men. If you got that Sins of Sinister banner at the top, I'm sorry, I'm not going to read that book. I don't, I you know, I and I maybe I'm not giving these a, a fair chance, but just the whole idea of just the sinister I just no, uh, uh-uh, I can't can't do it. Um, Joe fix it. Uh, I didn't read this issue, right? No, so this is um, issue four. I'm in, enjoying this series. It's 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 fun, uh, you know, going back to the Joe fix it era, you know, because Peter David's writing it. And um, we've it's basically Kingpin because you know since Joe Fixit's in Vegas, Kingpin's there, and and Joe Fixit's not going to put up with his shenanigans, and so he like really insults Kingpin in some ways, and Kingpin's not happy. So we have some some fun things happening here, and then it's also it's kind of funny in a way. You know, Spider Man is so deeply involved, which it kind of doesn't make sense that he's like still there because like. Peter can't be there that long, but there's some 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 fun moments and everything. Um, then there's a Planet of the Apes uh, new series. So this is written by by uh, David Walker, and you know when the series came out, I I don't I'm kind of like okay, why? Um, and it's because Marvel owns you know Disney owns rights, so why not do one? So reading this, I'm like, okay, where is this gonna go? You know, because uh, wh- you know, wh- where where is it taking place? You know, so I so I, I guess my my big, it's not really big. My my kind of letdown with this issue, and I totally get why I have to do it. Is it's kind of like a recap issue. It feels like they're kind of saying, okay, we've had these recent movies. They they they've been they've been good you know they've been you know consistent everything like that you know with with the, the next movie coming out I'm pr- like pretty sure it's taking place in the same continuity even though it was 20th Century Fox and now Disney owns it you know because they own Fox or they're going to continue the movies it's great that they're not saying all right let's reboot let's start over because you know there's been so much already invested in it so it's like why not continue rather than Go back and start over. So with the comic, they're kind of recapping some stuff. You know, they don't they don't go into specific details, but they do kind of go back and say, okay, this happens and this happened. So we are seeing a little bit of stuff that we've seen before. And for me, that was just like kind of like, okay, so we're we're not full on in the Planet of the Apes, you know, just yet. But but it's 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 getting closer to that. So We'll see, but I love I love Planet of the Apes. You know, it goes back to the original movies. Um, I'm sure I, I've mentioned before, maybe on the, on the old, another podcast. But ABC used to do these three o'clock movies Monday through Friday, and I just remember rushing home from school because they would do like Planet of the Apes weeks, and they would show all five movies. You know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, because there was five of them, right? And even though I'd seen them so long and so many times, you know, I would just when when that happened, it was like yes, we Planet Apes weeks, and I would just watch them. So I've always had that like fondness for them, and you know, even like the the Marky Mark movie, it wasn't great, but 
I, I still enjoyed it because it's Planet of the Apes. And then, you know, these movies have been good. So with the comic, you know, I, I want to get into it. And I've always felt that the comics are a little, you know, it's it's the the whole, for me, like the, the kind of like sci-fi, whatever, you know, translate to comics. Sometimes it's the colors are too bright or whatever. And I, I hope this, this is a good comic. Let's just say, say they say that. So it's it's a fine start because you know it, it is establishing things. I don't really know what I want. It's it's not like I just want to be thrown into whatever. And so it's important to establish this stuff. But I don't know. I I, I can't quite pinpoint it. Okay. Then there is Rogue and Gambit. I love Rogue and Gambit. Yeah. You know, I, I I think these characters are great. I love them as as a couple. Um. I didn't. I wasn't super crazy about the first issue, and I I think part of it, it it's it's so weird because now that they're together, I don't you know it's it's almost like the in the TV shows when it happens that you know it, it kind of loses some of the fizzle or whatever, but the the last issue, it was just okay you know it it didn't like knock my socks off or anything like that. I will. De- I'm definitely going to read this one. I didn't read it because of you know running out of time and kind of like picking and choosing. It's like okay, well, what am I going to read? What sh- do I need to, you know, what do I really need to read so I can talk about it? And unfortunately, I, I didn't read that, so I'm not even sure what what's going on in this issue because I haven't read even read like the synopsis or anything because I don't like to. But yeah, and I I think part also I feel like this series is like too close to the recent Captain Marvel stuff because they were just there. Now they're here. But if, if I remember correctly, the last issue just seemed a little weird. Like just, it was almost like insulting to Gambit, you know, you know Gambit's kind of a doof, but I don't know. Then there's Scarlet Witch. So Scarlet Witch, she, she's uh, trying to save her new friend, Darcy. We have Darcy Lewis in, in the comics and it turns out she's has some powerful enemies. It's like what, there's more to Darcy than we realized. We we're getting some of the story here, and we we, we kind of get two different sides to the story. So it's like, wait, what's really happening here? But Wanda, who's just an amazing character, amazing person, she's going all out to protect, you know, to do what what is the right thing, you know, to, to protect her friend, and. Um, yeah, so we get, we get this big crazy battle, and um, it's just some. It's, it, yeah, it's 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 an interesting book, but at first it's like holy cow, like what what is going on here and everything. So we have to see. Then there's a Spider Man issue seven, uh, end of the Spider Verse part seven, and uh, I haven't been super crazy about this story. I feel like there's been too much of these, you know, all, all this Spider Verse stuff. You know, it, it's cool to see all the characters. I just feel like to me it it feels like these comics are just trying to let let's create as many different versions of Spider-Man's Spider characters as we can in the hopes that we can create someone else cool to make more money. You know, cuz the whole thing, you know, Spider-Gwen 100% love Spider-Gwen. So I adore that character so much. I adore that character so much. I I feel so bummed with the comic series because I feel like they're not living up to what my expectations are. 
And I'm just not not super crazy with how they're going. I, I feel like they should be, and no offense, anyone, I feel like they should be just so much better. But it's just like, just, I don't know. So, you know, we, we have that. And, you know, who else have we had um, from Spider-Verse? Has there been any other, like, standouts that I'm just totally blanking on? Because, like, Spider-Man Noir, you know, even if you look at the movies, Spider-Man Noir was an existing character. They just brought him in. Same thing with Spider-Ham, an ex- existing character. But... You know, Spider Gwen came out from that the original one, right? If I remember correctly. So here, things get wrapped up and all that. Um, the big thing, you know, without going into details of the story, um, and I'm I'm fine with how they wrap things up, but something happens. Oh man, how can I say this without giving out weight? But we we get introduced to this Spider Boy character, and. I, this is exactly what my 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 thoughts are. What I, I feel, I feel like that this the Spider Boy. That the, the point of this is like, hey, let's we got this new character now. We got Spider Boy. Um, maybe you know people aren't digging the Miles Morales series so much, so we need a new character to replace him, right? Because no one likes Miles. Uh, I love Miles. Uh, but Spider Boy, and we we just got a taste. We get, barely get a tease, so it feels like we're gonna be getting more Spider Boy. Which maybe it's a good thing. The way Spider Boy will be connected or ins- inserted into comics is interesting. It almost in, in a not quite exact same way and again I'm, I'm tiptoeing a little bit because i don't want to give too much away it's it's giving me a, a little bit of like kind of like century um feeling like century vibes it's like bob reynolds century and because you know with with century century always existed but we just didn't know it for certain reasons and then you know it's centuries there and uh, everyone knew who century was it's not that that same situation, but it's going to be something like that where Spider Boy. It's not like he's a, a totally brand new. He is a brand new character for us, but it's it's not like he's going to be a brand new character because of stuff. We'll see. I mean, I'm I, of course I'm going to give it a chance, and um, I don't know if Dan Slott, you know Dan Slott created the character here in in this this comic. Maybe he's gonna, you know, go do something with it, you know, be be in charge with it, and and that that's that's cool. If you know, if, if Spider Boy is like his baby, you know, if he's invested with making his character, then hopefully, you know, he's gonna go all out. Versus if it was like a bunch of editors or whoever at Marvel, like let's make this, let's make a Spider Boy character. Okay, what can we do and everything? Because then I feel like they're not quite as invested. Versus if you have someone who pitched the idea and came up with it then maybe they're going to be a little more invested, a little more, not necessarily controlling, but they're going to care a little more than if it was just a group of editors. Like, okay, we got to do something. Uh, we'll see. And then speaking of Gwen, uh, Spider-Gwen, we have Spider-Gwen Shadow Clones Issue 2. And it's it's just like the, the last Spider-Gwen series we had here, where that one, what was kind of annoying is we had all these different versions of, of Gwen from different multiverses, whatever, different universes, but they all had like different powers. So it's like, why? You know, so th- there's some Earth where Gwen Stacy is 
Captain America. There's a Earth where Cap- Gwen Stacy is a Hulk. I mean, it's just it just seems kind of ridiculous. And yeah, if you're talking about infinite worlds, then sure, there is going to be a world. Like if we're talking infinite worlds, there could be a world where I'm Captain America or whatever. You know, if you're talking infinite possibilities of all the infinite, infinite, infinite worlds, there's got to be at least one where Gwen Stacy is a Hulk, even though it makes absolute no sense at all. It's the, the it's there's got to be at least one. There's probably an Earth where Gwen Stacy has a lightsaber, and and probably this one guy I know would be super jealous and probably not like it because he gets jealous because he doesn't have a lightsaber, right? This isn't quite that, but if you look like if you look at the cover, there's wait is that a vulture Gwen Stacy, a Sandman Gwen Stacy, Craven the Hunter Gwen Stacy, Rhino Gwen Stacy, Doc Ock Gwen Stacy? What is going on here? They're, they're not from the multiverse. But if you look at the title, they're clones. Wait, what's going on? So, I don't know. I I just want a proper Gwen Stacy comic. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why we can't. Why That's so hard. Star Wars issue 33. So, they've been trapped in this other corner of the universe. Trying to figure out a way back. Luke has his gold, just yellow lightsaber. Speaking of lightsabers, and um, obviously he's he, you know, since this is taking place between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, he can't have this lightsaber forever. So that being said, without giving things away, you know, they they do get this uh, situation figured out, like you know, from being trapped or whatever. They're they're kind of resolving that that story, but something happens to the lightsaber. And it looked like okay. Does that is that how how come he doesn't have that lightsaber anymore? Because you know he has. We know he's going to make his own lightsaber. It's going to look a little wonky, a little clunky, and it's going to be green. It's going to look cool. But the lightsaber's not like obliterated. So it's like, is it not completely stable? That he's because you know what's going to drive him if he's got his lightsaber. He's just going. Why would he make his own if he has one? Even though that's part of like the Jedi training, you know, you don't just get handed one. Even though he get gets handed one twice, it's like come on, man, don't be a lazy, <laughs> whatever. So we'll see. Um, then there is Star Wars: Hidden Empire, the galaxy-shattering conclusion to the Crimson Dawn saga. Um, so yeah, this was this was weird. Uh, part part of the thing that's weird is because looking at um, the, the current Darth Vader stuff with, with the, the handmaidens and everything like that. And then we have this. So it's like, wait, these aren't happening concurrently. They kind of are, but they're not. And the other thing here, one thing that's weird, is Palpatine actually goes out, you know, he gets sits, gets off of his, his throne and he's actually like fighting with a lightsaber, which is weird. And he he does comment to to all everyone's you know acknowledgement or whatever. He does say how it, it's it's been a while since he's done this, but it feels good, <laughs> you know. But it's just so weird seeing Palpatine fighting with a lightsaber because I guess it's it probably would be too dangerous. You know, you can't have him do that, even though he's perfectly capable of, the, of that. So we have that, and then the other thing. Is 
is a Without giving anything away, this may, maybe, this, I was going to say might be, this might be, this may be the last time we see Quira. Is that how you say her? I, I always, that's how I say her name. So I'm, I'm really fascinated with this character. You know, we were introduced to her in Solo, which is why we need Solo 2. Dagnabbit. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, we don't see her. And where was she in any of the other movies? You know, is she, something happened? Well, maybe you find out in here. That's all I'm going to say. Um, Venom issue 18 came out, but you know, I didn't read this because I'm I'm really not liking Venom. I'm I'm I hate I hate I will say that hate with a I hate Carnage. Um, I'm 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 kind of really losing interest in venom i'm just i'm not i the whole thing that after the king in black the whole thing with like eddie being this the new symbiote king whatever and out in space and just putting his consciousness all over and then just yeah i don't know i don't even know what's going on and plus the fact that dylan it, it still doesn't make sense how he aged so much I don't know what's going on. And I just, I'm not super crazy about it. Last, uh, last issue. <laughs> Wolverine, issue 32. This, this is kind of like a hard issue to read just because it's, and not hard because it's bad or anything like that. It's hard because it's, it's, just, it's almost like disturbing in a way. So one, Beast has been like a grade A major a-hole. He's been doing some totally out of line stuff. He recently took a Wolverine, Wolverine while he was healing, took him before he was fully processed, and he's like, so we we he has a he has Wolverine without his his mind, and he's like, I'm going to use him as a weapon because I'm trying to do things for the greater good of mutants or whatever. And I need to strike at this person, this person. So he's beast is like totally crossing. And maybe it's it's part of it. I mean, it goes before that. But you know, recently I was like reading X Men: Hidden Years uh, on the Secret Podcast, and you know, we're seeing like original uh, Beast. You know, where he's he's one of the original X Men. You know, he's he's always been like a super nice guy, and like you know, Beast in in Avengers, he was you know always joking and everything. And now he's just such a jerk. And, and, you know, maybe he's just looking at it, It's like, well, you know, we got to do something. And he's just, he's making hard choices. So maybe it's it's for the best, but he's just doing it in such a wrong way. And he's just flat out killing people. He's like, I don't care what the laws or the rules are. I'm just going to do what I think needs to be done. So um, word gets out, Wolverine, he's super pissed when he finds out he's basically used like that. Goes after Beast, kills Beast. But Beast had obviously a contingency plan, made several copies of himself illegally, illegal by Krakoan laws or whatever. He has all these extra bodies, Beast bodies, and he stole all his memories, all his download stuff. And he has a bunch of like Wolverine bodies with like no mind because he didn't need to mind. He's just going to control them. So, you know, the, on a, the, the cover is Logan versus Weapons of X. So basically, he has these these Wolverines that that's like his army that they go out and they do to his dirty work, and he's making some not really hard choice, but he's doing some bad things, and uh, it's just 
is there any going back for for Hank? You know, how are they gonna? You know, it's like Hank's done. He's he's you know, this isn't Dark Beast. This is you know, Beast is a, a big old jerk now, and that's just how he's gonna be. I don't know. So it's it's it, so it just feels so wrong. One because it's basically vi- like violating Wolverine, which is not cool. And then just a, it's, it's almost like a violation of Beast's character because he's such a jerk now, and it's just. I don't know. So it's heavy duty. And and you know that that's what makes it interesting because it's it, it evoking these emotions or whatever me in me and whatever. So <laughs> check that out. And that is going to be comics for the week. All right, with uh School Spirits season 1 episode 6 Grave the Last Dance instead of Save the Last Dance, right? So this episode it's um, it, they're doing it again, and and I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm digging the week by week and how like each episode there's kind of a a cliffhanger sort of you know or an assumption is like could this be the killer or whatever, and I guess if if you were, I think I okay so here's here's like the the argue uh, argument against the binging thing, I feel almost like if you were to watch this all at once, it might seem a little more ridiculous because it's like oh no this is a killer oh no this is a killer oh no this and it's not like it's not that blatantly obvious but it's kind of it kind of leads you to believe a certain thing and and that's the nature of the show you know they have to build these hooks you know the otherwise it would be like two episodes you know if we just found out right away how did maddie die so i I, i'm really digging that you know the, the, the fact that we have that and then we start getting like little little sprinkles of information. Now, in in this episode, we're you know we're we're getting led to believe that it could be I you know spoiler even though I'm about to spoil the whole thing, it's it's starting to look like it's um what's her name Claire. And as I'm watching this, or as I was watching this, I'm like, okay, she's the latest one, so it's clearly not going to be Claire because they're pretty much leading us to believe it was Claire. And I was kind of thinking before it's it's not Claire because Simon was so sure it was Claire. And I was like, Simon, you need to just calm down and relax. You're just like, it's Xavier, it's Claire, it's it's, it's Mr. Anderson. And but then you know at this point I'm like, okay, we're at episode six now. Maybe it is Claire. You know, may, maybe this could and this could be a good tactic where it's like, okay, it's Xavier. It's not Xavier. It's Mr. Anderson. It's not Mr. Anderson. So that that you know that, that kind of build up, it, it can make you think it's like, okay, they're truly trying to point the finger at Claire. So it's not going to be Claire, right? But then maybe it is Claire. You know, they, they could be trying to, to trick us that way. So we'll see. It starts off. Simon is talking. <laughs> Because everyone's going to think he's crazy because he's like, you what? He's like, I can't. A football player? And, you know, there's this kid at a vending machine just like looks at him. He's like, you know, who the heck are you talking about? So Maddie tells him, like, keep his voice down. And Simon's like, you wait until you're dead to go to a school dance with a jock? So it's like, dude, you know, whatever. So he's like, who are you now? And she's like, I'm changing the subject. So she's like, shut up. And she's like, I would like to talk about my murder and maybe my murderer Claire, please. So that he just he just walks away. It's like, dude, like you're such a jerk. And and yeah, he's dealing with the fact that his best friend is dead and all that. But it's like, okay, dude, you get to talk to your best friend, even though she's dead. 
So you, you can still like try to help her or whatever. Claire's friends are, are, are in the cafeteria. They're like, like, oh, that's gross or whatever. And then Claire's like, well, aren't you the one whose boyfriend's been wearing the same boat shoes with no socks in seventh grade? And yet I've never brought it up. She's like, and besides, Xavier is hot and original. And she's like, and he's been through a lot. She's like, expand your horizons, ladies. So one's like, are you sure he didn't murder her? And Claire's like, yes, we're sure. And then she texts Xavier. She's like, sure, I'll be your date. And then he takes his lunch tray over to like Simon and, and Nicole. And he tells them, you know, what she said. And Maddie's like, told you it'd work. And Xavier, although, you know, Simon's the only one that can hear her. So Xavier asks Simon, he's like, what now? And Maddie's like, Operation Claire, we crack her at the dance. And Simon's like, Operation Claire, we crack her at the dance. Nicole's like, crack her? It's like, what does that even mean? And Simon's like, we get her to admit what she did. You know, blackmailing Anderson for grades. We you know, need to confirm that she took Maddie's phone and smashed it. And anything else she smashed, like Maddie's head. And Nicole's like, geez. You know, she's like, you know, being so graphic. And then they're talking about Xavier's going to have to get a suit. And he doesn't know. So he's... Uh, wondering if, if Nicole or I think Simon either Maddie or Simon says and Nicole will go with and she's like oh, why because I'm a girl so Maddie and Rhonda are, are looking through dresses from like the, the drama department Rhonda she's like, says she's surprised because you know, Maddie holds up this dress it's like this red dress with kind of like some frills and stuff like that she's like oh I'm surprised you picked that and Maddie's like I'm surprised you're even going and then Maddie's like, you know, she's surprised that they even get into this. You know, while he's acting like his first time he's ever been to dance, and Rhonda's like, well, he's been going alone for thirty-seven years. And then Maddie's like, can I ask you something? And you know, and you promise not to laugh. Rhonda's like, well, I'll try. Maddie's like, can ghosts have sex? And Rhonda's like, yeah. It's like, you know, we've all been going through puberty, you know, all the time. We all have needs. And she's like, wait. Because, you know, she's talking about, like, from before and everything. And she's like, did you die a virgin? And then Wally pops in at that moment to see how Maddie's doing since, you know, she might have been dragged through a murder tunnel and everything like that. She's like, I'm fine. And so I don't know if he, I don't think he heard. But Claire just waltzes into the boys' locker room to talk to Xavier. It's like, dude, who who, who are you? You know, you can just do that. She doesn't, you know, she doesn't care there's boys in there and stuff. Then she's like, why the text? Why now? He's like. I wrote it a while ago and I felt bad about the way I, I treated you and it took me a while to press send, which is a lie unless I guess send no case. Because I, I don't know if it would matter. I think you would see if someone's... Because like if you accidentally hit space, like the space bar, it looks like you wrote something or you're typing something. I don't know. But he said it, you know, it just took a while to hit send. He's like, I guess I uh, uh, missed you. She's like, I'll pick you up at seven tomorrow. And he's like, you you don't want me to drive? She's like, no. So he's like, why? And she's like, my car is big, has a bigger back seat than yours. So it's like, okay, then. So Maddie talks to Charlie. His letter is like 16 pages front and back. She's like, it's going to take a while to read it to Simon to have him write it. And, you know, he's like, oh, I've been, you know, or, or, or something like this. Like, I've been watching for 20 years. She's like, he's going to think that, you know, he's messing with him. And Charlie says, well... I guess I didn't think about that. So she's like, he's what now 40 and married to some guy. And he's like, what are you trying to say? He says, you know, he said some awful things back then and he just wants to apologize. And she says that it should read like 1994, you know, who he was. Charlie's like, yeah, but I want him to know who I am now. And she's like, well, all you can say is that you didn't mean those words. And, you know, can he forgive you? Or And once he reads the letter, 
Charlie's going to have to forgive himself, you know, live this life or live this death, you know, whatever. So that that's, you know, as I'm thinking about this, so somehow Simon's going to got to give him this letter. And then I would be like, dude, why are you, you know, you pl- trying to play this trick on me? You know, he's, he's got to think it's, how's he going to believe that this is, you know, this old 1994 or whatever. Like, Maddie follows Xavier aside. He, he gets a text and she's like looking over her shoulder reading it. So Claire sent him like a selfie, but it's just like a, a normal selfie or whatever. I, I mean, it didn't look like it was anything. And they, they, they kind of make a big deal about it. Because then Simon asks Nicole if she was able to get any metadata or whatever from the video. And she's like, no. She says, you know, and she's like, who cares who took the video? She's like, all that matters is Claire thinks Maddie did. So she finds out that his parents weren't crazy. He got um, called the police for for questioning. They took his car away. So she's like, oh, I guess I'm going to have to drive to the dance. So Nicole and Simon are going to go together. Then Xavier comes up to Simon. He's like, I think Claire is playing us. She's like, it's crazy. She even said yes to begin with. And Simon's like, well, it was a pretty convincing text. And, you know, Maddie's like, of course it was. I wrote it. But again, only Simon can hear her. Xavier says that Claire cornered him in the locker room like he was prey. And then she sent him a, a photo and he's like, like, like a, a nude, you know, whatever. And he's like, well, no, not exactly. He's like, I feel like I'm walking in a trap. And then Maddie's like, funny, I don't recall you being scared when you were hooking up in your back seat. He's like, oh, I, you know, I think I should back out. And Maddie's like, you can't, you owe me. And then Simon's like, you can't, you owe me. And and Xavier's like, what? He's like, I mean, you owe Maddie, you owe her. Nicole goes shopping with Xavier. He thinks he looks super because he's, I guess he's trying on like some orange pants. It's supposed to be like a Harry Styles pants or something like that. And then um, he asks, sure, she asks if, if he seriously thinks that Claire might hurt him. He's like, maybe. He's like, he thought he knew her, but, you know, maybe he doesn't. Simon is over at Maddie's. Uh, so Sandra, Maddie's mom, found an essay that she wrote for college admission. She's like, I'd hate for her to miss a, a deadline. And Simon's like, oh, no, we, we already, you know, turned it in. We Or she already turned it in. We both did. And the, she's like, oh, because Nicole, you know, is about something about dead, deadline. And Nicole mentioned it. And he's like, oh, that's for her portfolio to turn in. Because, you know, she's going to our art school. So the plan was for them to all go to Chicago, you know, so they could all be there. And that was the plan. And Mom's like, it still is. She's like, Maddie's coming home. It's like they found her backpack at that house and evidence that someone was sleeping there. So, you know, she has to believe that she's coming back. And Simon's like, you know, you're right. And then Sandra asks if she's tried reaching out to him at all. You know, she's like, you'd let me know, right? And he's like, of course. So he's like, well, I got to go. I got to get ready for dance. And she's like, okay, send pictures. And she's like, I always thought that you and Maddie would go together. And he just kind of looks at her and he gives her a hug. And, you know, she says that he's her best friend. You know, she doesn't know what she'd do without him. And then, you know, he looks at this picture of Maddie in the hall. He's like, can I borrow this? Maddie walks down some like stairs, you know, at the school. And she goes out in the front. She's wearing like the red kind of floofy dress. Wally drives up in a golf cart, and she's like, you're late. He made her a flower out of paper for, like, a wrist corsage because, you know, he couldn't get any real flowers. And his, like, there's some numbers on there. And she's like, what's this? And it's his football numbers. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, it's really stupid. And it's a thing we did in the 80s. She's like, no, that, that's fine, whatever. Then he pretends, like, open a door for her, and she gets in the golf cart. Claire gives Xavier's dad a check from her parents. So um, Claire goes to pick up Xavier. 
So she's talking to his dad because Xavier's still upstairs getting dressed or whatever. So she gives him a check. She's like, he's like, oh, this is very generous. And it's supposed to be for his re-election fund to be sheriff or whatever. So he's like, oh, I'll go check on Xavier. She's like, oh, no, no. She's like, there's no rush. I'm early, you know. And she's like, I'm just happy that school didn't cancel a dance. You know, this year has been unreal. First Maddie and now Mr. Anderson. So she's basically, she's fishing for information. He's like, oh, you know, it's nothing for you kids to worry about. And she's like, well, I just, I just wonder if they'll ever, if we'll ever get any answers. And then she's like, are there any updates? And he's like, well, none that I can speak of yet because it's an ongoing investigation. And Xavier's like listening upstairs. So he knows that she's like fishing. So she's like, well, my parents wonder why Mr. Anderson isn't speaking or is he? It's like, do we think he had anything to do with what happened to Maddie? And Xavier's dad, he says, well, it's an ongoing investigation, but, you know, be sure to let your folks know that we're grateful of their, you know, cooperating while we continue to search the abandoned property. So then Xavier comes down and she's like, wow, you look, and dad's like almost respectable because he's wearing a, you know, suit. And then he's like, you know, your grandfather's suit like that, you know, he's like, take care of it because, you know, he, he kept it a long time. He was buried in it. And it, meanwhile, Xavier's worried about Claire about to kill him. Simon brought the picture of Maddie to the school dance to like put up, like as a memorial type of thing. He tells Nicole it's it's psychological torture. And then Mr. Figuerello, whatever his name is, he he's like, Did you put the picture there? And Simon's like, Yeah. He's like, That's a nice gesture. Simon mentions to Nicole that Sandra said something that she thought that he and Maddie would go someday. And she's like, Yeah, I could see that. And she's like, Did you ever think about that? And he's like, No. And then he's like, okay, maybe once, but I shut it out right away. You know, she was my best friend. You know, the stakes were too high. So Claire's driving. And then she asks, you know, when was the last time he wore a suit? And he says, well, the only dance he ever went to was a middle school mixer. And it was only because his band was playing. Then she pulls over and she saw off the engine and she locks the doors. He's like, uh, what just happened? And she's like, I want to talk. She's like, the cheerleaders might be a bit bitchy with you tonight. So I want to prep you. He's like, okay, you know, consider me prepped. And because she's like, when they found out that I was going with you, they got very judgy. And they they say that they saw him hanging out with Nicole lately. And, you know, Kristen saw you at the mall together. She's like, what's that about? He's like, well, you know, she was Maddie's best friend. You know, we were always around each other. And then she kind of looks out the window and he's like, can we go now? And then she turns slowly and she's like, no. And then she like lunges and like grabs for his throat. But she puts her hands like around the back of his neck and starts kissing him. Then she's like, now we can go. <laughs> so this is like they're totally making it like she was about to kill him. At the dance, Simon sees Maddie in a dress. He's like, you look. Uh, um, and she's like, okay, use your words. And then she's like, oh, I like your jacket, whatever. He says that... Um, he has Charlie's letter. He, he, it's transcribed you know, to the world of the living paper. If she has a, another ghost friends who need favors, she's like, can I charge them? She says that the letter already cost Charlie plenty. He asks, he's like, you know, he's like, where is Charlie standing next to you? He's like, hi. And she's like, no, no, no. He's like, she's like, but, but he's very grateful. The letter is going to help him uh, more than you can imagine. And Simon's like, help him what? crossover is is that going to happen if we find out what happened to you she's like i don't know maybe then she, um she says to say that he found a note between the pages of the book in the library or whatever that she's like i'll be right back so she 
goes by Wally to you know get some punch. The music changes and he pulls her on the dance floor and she's like, I I don't dance. He's like, Oh no, that's that's fine. He's like moving her about and everything like that. And then you know after a bit they they're in line for photos for you know the homecoming photos whatever. Uh, Maddie sees like a, a Hickey and Xavier's next, and so does like Nicole and Simon. So because uh, they're standing like right in front of like a couple people in front of them, and then Claire sees a picture of Maddie. She's like, "Was that your idea?" And he's like, "No, it's like probably one of the teachers." Then then he's like, "I heard they found her backpack, Maddie's, and it was in an empty house your dad owns." And she's like, "And?" He's like, "Well, it's just weird they found it there." Then rather than answer, she's like, "Are we gonna spend all night talking about your old girlfriend?" And then Maddie leaves when they start getting her picture taken because it, it, it still hurts her, you know, because this was her boyfriend. And, you know, that could have been her, even though, you know, she's not into dances, but she would have, she clearly wanted to go with them. Sandra's watching TV at home. Then there's, it almost like there's like a shadow outside. And then she like turns off the TV and she looks out the window, but there's like nothing out there. She goes back to the couch, you know, watching her whatever show. And then there's like a loud thud against like the house. She turns on the light. She goes to the back door. She's like, Maddie? Wally starts dancing because Stepping Out by Joe Jackson starts playing. And he's like, oh, I love this song, whatever. And Charlie's like, he is pretty fly. And Xavier at the same time, he's like, this DJ sucks. <laughs> but he's kind of bopping his head to the music. Uh, oh, this is like the principal is like singing along too. Yeah. Claire asks how he knew about the backpack. And he's like, one of the many perks of living with the sheriff. He's like, but you already knew. And she says that her stepdad told her, he asked her if she went back to the house. And she's like, she says something like that she doesn't go there alone or something like that. So I don't know, is she saying that she's gone there before with other people? Is she going there to hook up with people? So he's he's gonna he goes off to get like some drinks for them. He talks to Simon Nicole, and you know, Maddie's her too. <laughs> Simon says, he's like, you have to ask her more questions. And Xavier's like, that's what do you think I've been doing all night? And he says that Simon's like, you have to ask her about the phone. And Simon's like, if I do that, she'll bail. They're like arguing stuff like that. Then Xavier's like, you know, forget this. He's like, I'm going to figure this out myself. Then Simon gets a call from Sandra. He like looks at it and he just like, you know, turns it off. He tells Nicole, he's like, I'll call her tomorrow. It's like, I, I just can't deal with her right now. Then Nicole's ring phone rings and Sandra called her. So she answered it. And Simon, or because you know, before she answers, Simon's like, she needs more friends her age. And Nicole's like, you're being a jerk. So when she answers phone, Sandra says that she was watching TV. She heard someone in the backyard, and she's like, it, it, it's got to be Maddie, right? So she's like, I'm afraid to call the police in case if it's her and it scares her off. She's like, can can you guys come over? Which seems like it's asking a lot. It's like they're at a school dance. Nicole, you know, then she she tells Simon all this so he's like he doesn't know what to do because you know they got to stay there because Claire and all this stuff like that and Nicole's like I'll handle it she's like can you find your own ride home he's like yeah so then Simon sees Mr. Figuerello he's like your your first name is Emilio right and he's like I might have something that's yours he's like I was in a library and it was in this it was tucked in this in the book uh, the things they carried or something like that so he gives him the note while he's trying to talk to Maddie and he's like, you know, I, I actually won Homecoming Queen. And she's like, was it out of pity because you died before the dance? He's like, no, no, no. He's like, you know, they got the votes before. You know, I, believe it or not, I was actually pretty charming. But she's just busy staring at like Xavier and Claire while he's like trying to talk to her, make conversation. Xavier says that, you know, he's like, I like kissing you earlier in the car. And she's like, yeah, I'm a good kisser, <laughs> which is like, jeez. So then, uh, 
he starts kissing her and she's like, oh, you know, my soft spot or something like that. Then she's like, what kind of game are you playing? And then he's like, do you want to get out of here? So Wally says that he thinks that this was a bad idea coming to dance together. And she's like, what? She's like, no, he, he doesn't think that she's ready to be dead yet. And she's like, is anyone? He's like, well, I am. And she's like, right. But, you know, I've been dead two weeks. You're like old dead. And she's like, you know, that came out wrong. But then she notices Xavier and Claire's are gone. She's like, wait, where'd they go? And you can see that Wally's a little bummed because, you know, she's so preoccupied. And he, like, was, like, super excited about going to dance with her. Maddie is looking for Xavier and Claire, sees Rhonda sitting at a table, and, you know, Rhonda's like, where's your date? And she's like, well, I can't worry about, about him right now. But then we see Emilio. He's sitting outside. He's, like, starting to read the letter. Xavier and Claire are making out. I think they're in a boiler room. They're not in like the boiler room proper, but it's like somewhere down there. And she's like, you know, we could have come to the parking lot. He's like, oh, this is way hotter. Then he stupidly, so obviously pulls out his phone and starts like the audio recording app. And she sees him do this. And she's like, what are you doing? So I think he's was hoping to record her to try to get her to confess something, but he makes it so incredibly obvious. It's like, what are you doing? Meanwhile, police, they're looking around. They found, it looks like a bloody crowbar. And it has like, I think it says like S R H S school, whatever river. I forget the name of the school. So they, they figured that if the backpack was at the house, it could have been, there could be something else there. So it was like partially buried by the bushes in the, in the backyard. So then um, Claire's like, you brought me down here to what? Force a confession out of me? Then he's like, did you kill her? And he's like, I know you swapped Maddie's phone. And he's like, is that why you want to drive tonight? So when you pick me up, you get some answer out of my dad, huh? Then he pulls out the video on his phone. He's like, maybe I should have showed my dad this. And she's like, how do you have this? And she's like, who else has seen this? She like reaches for his phone. He's like, other people. He's like, so deleting it, it's not going to make a difference. And then she's like, Jesus. She's like, I figured out Mr. Anderson was dealing and I saw an opportunity. So, okay, this right here, the, I, th- I think about Mr. Anderson dealing with something. That never came up. So I don't think the police are aware of that. But she's like, so she saw an opportunity. She's like, and I, and I took it. People do this poop every day. It was one class. I just needed an A. I told Mr. Anderson if he gave me an A, I wouldn't say anything about the money. Then he's like, well, what about Maddie's phone? Why'd you swap it? She says that we thought Maddie took the video and I just wanted to delete it, but I couldn't unlock it. So I gave it to Mr. Anderson. You know, he was the one who got rid of it. And Xavier's like, you better not be lying to me. She's like, I told him to pay her off, you know, give her the money, whatever she wanted. But that's all I did. For me, there is no room for failure. Maybe, you know, that seems dumb to you. Everyone thinks I have it so easy, but do you know how much work it takes to make everything look easy? She's like, I know we made a mistake. Anderson and I, she's like, you and I cheating. And I have been terrified. Everything, it just spun out of control so fast. I didn't hurt Maddie. I don't know what happened to her, but it wasn't me. So there's still some questions here because we know Maddie, when did her phone get switched? I guess is a big question. Because Xavier took her phone obviously he he it the phones were switched before that but then the other thing is like what is this with being paid off because anderson said he gave maddie money so did he really give her money and she just says remember that because she doesn't know what happened to her after study hall from study hall to death is a mystery so did he give her some money 
I don't know. Emilio is still reading the letter, and he's you know he's sitting outside like by the parking lot, and uh, it's like his his hands are like shaking. Charlie is sitting kind of across from like on the, on the roof of a car, just like watching him. He's got like tears. Um, Emilio has has like you know tears too. Maddie kind of sees him like from the the inside of the school, and then uh, then she hears like a door open down below, and Xavier and Claire walk up, and they're like pretty close together. Time to announce the homecoming queen. It's Claire, of course. Um, she's just standing up on stage. She doesn't look too happy, but you know she got her crown, which is what she wanted. Then Simon goes up to Xavier, you know, because he's just in in the crowd, and he's like, "What the hell's happening?" And Maddie is like, "Where were they?" But you know, Simon's the only one who can hear that. Xavier, he's like, "Claire didn't do anything to Maddie." He's like, "I believe her." You know, Claire was blackmailing Anderson for grades. When Claire and Anderson got the video, they thought Maddie took it, so they paid her off. When Maddie disappeared. Claire panicked. If that video got out there, people would think, and Simon's like, that's motive. And he's like, yeah, they couldn't get into Maddie's phone, phone, you know, her locked phone, so they destroyed it. We were right, but Claire, she wouldn't have hurt Maddie. She wouldn't. She's like, I believe her. It's like, why Why are you so sure that that she didn't have anything to do with it? Sandra, meanwhile, tells Nicole that there was someone out there, uh, but then there's a knock on the door, and it's Xavier's dad. Sandra's like, you know, she's like, did you call the police? And Nicole's like, no. So Sandra answers the door and he's like, I promised. He's like, I have news. He's like, that empty house where we found Maddie's backpack, we found something else. It's a possible murder weapon. And she's like, murder weapon? Dad's like, we traced a, to a person of interest who is being brought in as we speak. And she's like, who? He's like, it's an employee at the school. He's like, I can't release a name yet. And then we see it's Roger South, the custodian. So, but then uh, Xavier's dad's like, it's not Anderson. He has a solid alibi. As soon as I have more information to share, you'll be the first to know. And she's like, why? Why would someone do this? And Xavier's dad's like, Anderson, you know, gave us enough information to believe that Maddie had a great deal of money on her. This, maybe this person just wanted it. And then Sandra starts sobbing. She falls to her knees and Nicole and, and Xavier's dad, like, try comforting her. Maddie sees Xavier and Claire, they're slow dancing. Um, she sits next to Charlie and he says that, you know, being a ghost sucks. You know, he's talking about all this stuff. You know, today it wasn't so bad because he was able to watch the love of his life close a very old, very deep wound. And he's like, thanks to you. And she's like, how do you feel now? And Charlie's like, I'm ready to forgive, live my death, remember? Because that's what she said. She's like, it's, it's good advice. And he's like, you know, he's like, maybe it's time, you know, you take it too. You know, maybe you should focus on the person you came here with. Wally's lying in the grass outside. He's still, he's singing, stepping out. Then Maddie comes out. She starts singing too. She's like, that sounded better in my head. She apologizes. She's like, there's a lot going on. I should just been honest with you. And he's like, oh, it's, it's fine. And then she grabs him and she kisses him. And she's like, that was also better in my head. He like stares at her and they start kissing some more. So ghost Maddie's getting some... They're just kissing. Simon is sitting inside popping some balloon. And Deej is like, here's a song for the sad guy popping balloons. <laughs> he gets up and he sees Maddie. He's like, I know this song. He's like, we were just talking about it. And she cuts him off. She's like, listen. And and because there's down below, some people are talking. It's, it's a principal. I'm not sure who he's talking to. I couldn't tell if he's talking to Emilio or something like that. But he's like, they found a weapon that could have killed Maddie Nears. He's like, the other person's like, well, how do you know? And he's like, it's South. He's like, he's the only one that had access to the tool cabinet. 
the principal asks, you know, he's like, do you still have his keys or something like that? So I don't know who he's talking to. I couldn't tell because it was just, it was kind of dark. And I, I doubt Amelia would be involved with it. But who knows? <laughs> Rhonda, I think Rhonda's down in a bomb shelter and she's like looking for something. She's like looking on top of shells and stuff because there's like an old can of beans, you know, from like the, the bomb shelter. So I have no idea what that was about. They don't, they don't tell us anything more. Sandra is at home reading Maddie's essay. It's like, it's raining outside now. She has a bottle of booze. She pours some, takes a drink, grimaces. So here she was like going to stop drinking. But now that she thinks that there could be a murder weapon, it looks like she might start spiraling out, spiraling out and drinking again. And the last scene, so it's raining. Nicole's trunk is open and she's out there in the rain digging. Like, what the heck is she digging? Why does she have a shovel? Why is she digging in the rain in her homecoming dress? What the heck is she hiding? Maybe Nicole killed Maddie. I doubt. See, and this is the other thing. So now we're we're like, okay, it's not Mr. Anderson because he has an alibi. It's not Claire because Xavier is so sure that she didn't do it. It's got to be Nicole now, right? Can't be. But who knows? No. I mean, it could have been an accident. I doubt it. All right, so that was it. <laughs> that was uh, this week's episode. So now, again, the, the next episode is out by the time you listen to this. So I, I need to go watch that. All right, now Superman and Lois, Season 3, Episode 4, Too Close to Home. This, I really enjoyed this show. I, I know I say that every week. It's just so good. It, it starts off, there's this fire in like a national forest. There's like firefighters, rescue workers, whatever. Then, then there's like this RVs like driving like a maniac. So it's like, wait, who the heck is in there? I guess it's just people just trying to get the heck out of there or whatever. So like Superman catches this big, burning, huge, you know, humongous tree before it falls on, on, on there. Jordan's there helping. So it's pretty cool that, you know, he, he's getting to do all that. Pretty much everyone is saved or whatever. Then Superman, like, hears something. He, he's like, it's mom. Jordan's like, I can handle this. He's like, you know, I was like, I'll, I'll yell if anything happens. Superman's like, okay, just, you know, make sure you do a perimeter and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, he takes off. He walks into the farm, farmhouse. Um, he's like, Lois. And she's like, I'm fine. I'm just clumsy. She's like, because she just dropped the glass. And she's like, and for the record, you don't get to use your super hearing to keep tabs on, on me just because I'm sick. So it wasn't even a big deal. She just she dropped the glass. But he must have heard some. Next day, Clark asks Lois if she wants egg. He's making breakfast. She's like, oh, I'm not hungry. So I don't know if she's like nauseous or whatever like that. But man, ugh, if, if someone would make me scramble. I love scrambled eggs. I make some good scrambled eggs. They're not. They're, they're missing something. They're not super amazing scrambled eggs, in my opinion. Maybe I just have high... On the next secret podcast, the best scrambled. <laughs> I could go off. Anyways, um, they hear the boys arguing. So Clark goes up there. Like, give it back. Stay out of my room. <laughs> so Clark, you know, he's he's at there. He's like, what's wrong with you two? He's like whispering, you know, because because Lois, you know, he doesn't want her to see it. And John's like, he stole my hoodie. Jordan's like, it's not his. And he's like, both of you, stop right now. And he's and he like whispers more. He's like, "Your mother had her first round of chemo yesterday. She needs to recover in peace. And what she does not need is to hear both of you arguing over a sweater." Understood? And then he's like, 
You're like, yes, sir, whatever. He's like, can't you do something outside the house today just in case she wants a nap? Jonathan's like, well, I, I could go over to Candace's or something. And Jordan's like, oh, Grandpa wants to go fishing. And he's like, great, wonderful. Off you go. Godspeed. And if you need anything, text me, not your mom. Do not bother your mother with anything. So he walks back down and, you know, Lois is like, I know what you're thinking. And he's like, that we had a deal? She's like, I'm just reading this fascinating article about how Bruno Mannheim invested $200 million in Hobbs Bay Medical Center five years ago, the same hospital that that Dr. Hook dude, you know, treated inner gang members and stuff like that. The same place where they had all Superman's blood. He's he says uh, he's like, yeah, all that's interesting, but you know, not today. It's like we're gonna go, you know, binge whatever this one show. Sarah's at her dad, she she's like sleeping on the couch at her dad's, and she gets mad because he's like uh, running the blender or something like that. She's like, Dad, she's like, did you have to get the loudest blender they had? And he's like, Well, if you're gonna sleep here, you're gonna get up at a reasonable hour. And she checks her, you know, she's like, How's this a reasonable hour or something like that? Anyways, so she checks her phone. There's like some text, honey, I'm sour. Sorry, can we please talk? Call me when you wake up. And there's like four missed calls, and Kyle's like. Uh, are you um, ready to talk about what happened last night? So he doesn't know. And then she gets another call from mom. And he's like, well, you going to answer that? You know, he grabs the phone, answers it. He's like, hey. And Lana's like, can you please hand Sarah the phone? And he's like, sure, one second. He holds out to her and she's like, like kind of rolling her eyes. She reluctantly takes the phone and then she just hits the end call button. And he's like, Sarah. And she's like, I don't want to talk to her. He's like, you don't hang up on your mother. And then Lana, or then Sarah's like, well, she shouldn't have slapped me. And he's like, she she slapped you? She's like, that's why I was so upset last night. He's like, wow, um, what happened? And Sarah's like, she came home all pissy that you had asked about Mr. Irons. And he's like, oh, hell. He's like, she's been so pushy lately. And I called her out on it. And he's like, I'm sorry that you get caught in the middle of all this. But that never should have happened. Then Lana calls his phone. He's like, and I'm going to make sure it never does again. And he's like, he answers the phone. He's like, I'm coming over. John Henry is analyzing like the, the, the kryptonite gauntlets that the inner gang guys use. Computer tells him that it has the same energy or the, the energy source is, a, is plasma propulsion. Then he asks if they were like iron thrusters. And that is correct. He's like, is it the same? I think it's like the same thrusters like is his suit his steel suit whatever thrusters so it's like why would they be the same john henry then goes over to clark's um he says that his his voice went straight to voicemail and clark's like yeah um i'm forcing lois to rest today and then john john henry's like oh it, it can wait but but clark's like well what, what's up he says that there's something about the gauntlet so he analyzed them he thinks that they were made by the john henry the him of this earth He's like, so if there's more out there, they'll be, you know, using tech that John Henry made. Maybe Diggle was right. Maybe there is a connection between Bruno Mannheim and his doppelganger's death. Clark's like, yeah, um, we know. And he's like, what do you mean you know? Clark's like, the whole reason Lois and Chrissy were at that facility is because we've been investigating Mannheim. He's like, I asked you to leave it alone. And he's like, Lois and Mannheim have a history. She thought if she could prove that he killed your doppelganger, could finally put him behind bars. So she went to talk to Dr. Irons, his sister. And he's like, Lois went and talked to my sister? He's like, you know, he's he's like, you know, she already lost him. She doesn't need to get dragged into this. Clark 
kind of shrugs and then Lois walks in. She's like, hey, John, is everything okay? And he's like, oh, nothing. I can't wait. Just, uh, you know, I need to get back to the shop. And he's like, feel better. Jonathan, meanwhile, goes over to Candace's. Dad answers. He's like, is, is Candace here? He says that he sent her on a run. Um, he's like, before she gets back, we should, you know, perhaps we should have a chat. And Jonathan's like, about what? He's like, I don't know. He's like, is there anything you and I need to discuss? And then Jonathan's like, is this about my truck? And his dad's like, I don't know anything about that. He's like, I'm sure as hell don't need you spreading any more lies about me. And Jonathan's like, I'm not spreading any lies. And dad's like, really? Because I heard you thought I was dealing XK. It just isn't true. See, I'm not that kind of person, which is total bull. Then, then he's like, did you hear me? He's like, you stole my truck. And then he's like, what'd you say? Johnson's like, and you took it to a chop shop. He's like, look, I know it was you. And then he slams down his beer. Jonathan says that, you know, he had his mom's watch. He's like, you better shut your trap. And he's like, or what? He's like, you don't want people to hear that you're a crap dad. And then hits him, slugs him hard. He's like, I don't like liars. He's like, keep it up and you'll get more than my fist. And then his his like his eyes like already like starting to swell. So Lois and Clark are still watching. He like hears something. Lois like, what's up? He's like, oh, nothing. He he's like, you know, I, th- I think we need some popcorn. And she's like, uh, I don't know. The, the kernels always get stuck in my teeth. And he's like, but then it'll it'll be like movie night back in Metropolis. He's like, I'll be right back. So he actually goes to John Henry's, and John's like, you had no right keeping this from you know keeping that from me. And Clark's like, we were just trying to protect you. And he's like, I don't need you to protect my feelings. I what I need is for you and Lois to listen when I ask you to do something. Clark's like, I know, I know, I'm sorry. Then he's like, okay, what exactly did Darlene say about the other me? That Clark's like, that her family believes he was selling weapons to people like Bruno Mannheim. He's like, you're not him. And then, you know, so it's like, don't worry about it. And then John's like, was there anything else? Clark's like, well, your sister was the one to encourage Lois to get those tests. So if it was for her, we wouldn't know about the cancer. He starts to leave, then he says that he's going to go talk to his sister. And Clark's like, she doesn't know you exist? John Henry's like, but Bruno Mannheim might. That assassin in Lana's office the other, you know, he, he they saw me. He's like, so what if they come looking for me? He's like, if I'm going to keep Nat safe, I need to know everything about the me from this earth. So Sam and Jordan are in a car. He's, he says that they need to talk. So he hands him a file, and it's about the, the big forest fire. There's images of him in, in, in the air. You can't see his face or anything like that because Jordan's like, I was careful or whatever. And Sam's like, but you can see your hair, which is why you're getting it cut. And he's like, you're not serious, are you? He's like, that curly mop is just a big billboard telling the world who you really are. Jordan starts arguing, you know, because he's, he's like, well, I'm not a recruit. You know, he's like, my dad never had to do this. And Sam's like, because your dad knows that the best disguise is to blend in. George's like, well, I'm not doing it. And he's like, my parents aren't you know, saying anything. And Sam's like, they have enough to worry about. He's like, this is about you being responsible enough to be a hero. And then Jordan's like, like, you know what that means. And then he gets out. So he's like, I'm a four-star general in the U.S. Armed Forces. So he basically insults Sam, saying that you know he doesn't know anything about being a hero. So then Jonathan comes home and he starts going up the stairs. Lois is like, well, you're not even going to say hello? Uh, he's like, Hi. And he's, and you know he's like just looking forward so she can't see his, his left eye. He's like, "Can I go to my room?" And she's like, "Get down here now." She's like, "What happened?" 
He's like, well, I'm fine. I just, I took an elbow playing basketball. She's like, it looks more like more than just elbow. He's like, did you get in a fight? He's like, no. She's like, what is it you aren't telling me? He's like, dad told me not to bother you today. And she's like, he said that? He's like, I'm fine. Just go watch a show. Kyle talks to Lana. She's like, yeah, I'm sorry. And he says, you know, we both promised never lay a hand on our kids, especially after everything you went through with your mom. She's like, I just, I lost control. There's no excuse. He's like, well, I'm glad to hear that. And then, you know, Sarah should have never called her, you know, pushy, whatever. And she's like, that's not why I slapped her. Then he's like, then what was it? She's like, let's not even go there. And he's like, well, I deserve to know what happened. He's like, you know, Sarah said it was my fault that you cheated on me. And he's like, she said what? So Lana's like, she called me selfish and said that that's why you cheated. He's like, you know, that's not true. Right, Lana? She's like, it doesn't matter. He's like, it does matter to me. So she's like, she was just trying to hurt me. And he's like, she should never throw those things in your face. You don't deserve that. And she's like, I just wish I could tell her how sorry I am. And he's like, well, good, because I'm going to hold you to that. Clark comes home. He's like, oh, I got popcorn. I also got you gummy worms, whatever. And she's like, it doesn't take that long to get gummy worms. She's like, where were you? He's like, I went to John Henry's, you know, because he found out that the tech was made by the other him. So Clark told him about um, her visit to his sister. She's like, you went without me? And he's like, it's fine. I smoothed it over. But she's like, I don't need you to, to clean up my mess. You know, we're a team. You don't get to have those discussions without me. He's like, okay. And she's like, and you don't get to tell the boys not to bother me with their problems. I am their mother. Their problems are my problems. He's like, well, I just thought you could use the rest. And she's like, they're two teenage boys. You know, there's always going to be a mess or whatever. So she's like, Jonathan came home with a black eye the size of Australia. And Clark's like, was he in a fight? She's like, probably. I don't know. He wouldn't tell me because you're acting like I'm too fragile to handle it, which is exactly what I didn't want to happen. I am a wife, mother, and a reporter. Cancer doesn't get to change me. Telling people to treat me differently is not okay. And he's like, I, uh, I'm sorry. She's like, it's okay. Now let's make sure our son hasn't joined some stupid fight club. They sit Jonathan down on the sofa. Lois demands to know like, what happened. And Clark's like, she's right. He was wrong to say otherwise. Jonathan's like, well, I guess it'll start a few days ago when my truck was stolen. And they're like, what? Your truck was stolen? Then Jordan walks in. He's like, you know, Grandpa wants me to cut my hair. Clark's like, did you know Jonathan's truck got stolen? And Jordan just asked Jonathan, like, what happened to your face? Lois like, you heard your father answer the question. And he kind of like pauses. You know, he's trying to like make eye contact with Jordan. He's like, uh, he's like, I mean, uh, Lois is like, sit down. Then Clark hears a call from Sam at the DOD. And, you know, he tells Lois and she's like, just go. I got this. So Superman arrives there. Sam says, he's like, you're not going to like this. And he's like, clear the room. So he tells Superman that he's been looking into how Mannheim got his blood Superman's like, and it came from the DOD. And Superman's like, how's that even possible? So Sam's like, when you were hospitalized after Allie Alston attacked you, he's like, while I was unconscious, Sam's like, they're trying to save your life. It was medically necessary. And he's like, at that time, what have they been doing with it since then? And Sam's like, I don't know. But see, to his defense, Sam wasn't there and he wasn't really involved with the DOD. He had already retired, right? Pretty sure. Kyle asks Sarah how she could just lie mm-hmm. like that. And Sarah's like, I didn't lie. So he's like, okay, you just told me part of the story then. 
And Sarah's like, she hit me. What does the rest even matter? He's like, because of what you said, you tried to weaponize my affair to what hurt her. She's like, so that makes slapping me okay? He's like, no, it does not. Look, your mom feels terrible about what happened. She wants to apologize, probably to make her feel better, make herself feel better. And he's like, Sarah, she wants to fix this. Your mama loves you so much. Then how could she do that to me? Then he's like, you know, it was her who found you that night. You tried to hurt yourself. And you can see, this is why, again, again, I, I think just the acting is really good. Because Sarah, she's she's really good. She like kind of like tenses, like just a little tiny thing. When he's talking about like this forbidden topic, you know, because she tried to kill herself, which they haven't really explored fully, but she did this. And just by him mentioning it, she's just like, because then she's like, dad, what's that got to do with anything? He like sighs. He's like, you were on the floor, unconscious. She called 911. Then you stopped breathing. And when they arrived, they found her on her knees, giving you CPR, trying to save her child's life. So even when the doctors told her that you were going to be okay, she did not leave your side. And she's like, well, everything's changed. You don't live with us anymore. It's like, I just see mom differently, which is like weird because it's not her fault. And he's like, your mama made a big mistake, but you wouldn't want to be judged on your worst day, would you? So maybe let's not judge mom on hers, okay? Which is just like, as a father, it's just like, oh, it's just kind of heartbreaking. Which again, you know, the, the show's pulling on like all the heartstrings, like just right, I guess, whether it's cheesy or cliche, but whatever. Anyways, John Henry, um, he's out in the streets. He calls out to his sister. She turns around and she's kind of startled. And like right away, he's like, I'm not your brother. He's like, I look like him, but I'm not your brother. He's like, I'm a different person from a different world. And she's like, like that place with the square sun? It's like the Allie Alston when the two worlds were merging. He's like, yeah, something like that. He's like, I'm friends with Lois Lane. I know what you said about your brother. I just need to know more about him. And she's like, I have nothing else to say about that. He's like, please, please, please. He's like, I may not be your brother, but I have a daughter. And she's just like, oh. you know, she's like, she doesn't want to hear this. He's like, if I'm going to raise her on this world where a guy who looked like me was murdered by Bruno Mannheim, I need more information. So she says that all she knows is that when he got out of service, things were good for a while and then they weren't. So John became distant, paranoid. She's like, then my dad heard from an old army friend that he was selling military weapons on the side. And when he confronted him, he didn't deny it. Then John shut me out of his life. He said, he said I would be better off without him. Six months later, he was murdered. So John Henry, he apologized. He's like, I knew this would be difficult. She shakes her head. Um, he says, except for the scar, she's like, you look just like him. And he says that, you know, well, you're a dead ringer for my Darlene. You know, we were really close. And she's like, same here. He says, he's like, yeah, it drove our father crazy. And they, they both um, say that he called them the Wonder Twins. So the same thing in both worlds. Then she kind of like starts breaking out. She's like, I, I can't do this. She's like, it's not your fault, but just just don't come back. So, he, you know, she leaves. Then like an SUV pulled up. And that dorky Mr. Orr is like, Mr. Irons, my boss would like a word. And John's like, who's your boss? He's like, I think you know. And then the, like the back door opens. This guy gets out and motions for him to get in. And he does. He's like, okay, you know, whatever. He wants to find out what's going on. Lois continues to get the story about the truck. You know, after it was, was stolen, they decided to risk their lives and Natalie to get it back. Jordan's like, well, you were just diagnosed and you know, we don't want to bother you. Jonathan says that they did get the truck back. And she's like, at what cost? Those guys could have really hurt you. 
And then she like looks sternly. She's like, Jonathan, who did this to you? So she looks at Jordan. He's like, he raises his hand. He's like, I was with grandpa. And she's like, Jonathan. And he's like, it was Candace's dad. And she's like, Emmett Pergani did this. Pergani. I forgot how you say his name. So Lois is driving with the boys. Jonathan's like, mom, please. And she's like, just stay in the car. So they pull up to like to the trailer. She knocks. Emmett opens the door. She's like, did you hit my son? He like, looks at the car. And she's like, don't look at him. Look at me. He's like, whatever story he may have told you. Don't you dare call my son a liar. You miserable coward. He just kind of chuckles. He's like, watch your tone. She's like, the only reason I'm not calling the sheriff is because of your daughter. And then he's like, don't think I won't lay a hand on a woman. She's like, men like you don't scare me. Maybe I need to teach all three of you a lesson. And he like opens his jacket. And he <laughs> he shows a gun in his pants. It's like, is he just always walking around with a gun in there? Because you know he's maybe he's like, well, okay, someone's knocking my door. He sticks a gun in there. But and then Jonathan Jordan get out of the car. And Jonathan he's like, we should go. And Jordan's like, I got this. And she's like, no, you don't. Get back in the car. He's like, that's right. And like she turns to him and she steps closer. She's like, you stay away from my family. And then she walks down the steps like to the boys. She's like, get in the car. So back home, she tells him to get upstairs. They'll talk about this in the morning. Then she gets faint and they like kind of catch her. She whispers, she's like, I'm fine. At the DOD, this secure room, this like lady, whatever, uh, agent, um technician whatever she is she like you know she opened the door she said all the vials are accounted for and sam's like says that they have no idea it could be synthesized from a single drop superman's like well you should have never kept it especially without telling me the lady's like well after your incident we wanted to be prepared in case you know, we ever found ourselves in a similar situation and superman's like have you used it for anything else since then and she's like almost like taken aback like she's almost insulted by this and she's like, nothing. Sam's like, well, clearly all these bells and whistles aren't doing a damn thing. We need to make sure this never happens again. And she agrees. Superman uses heat, heat vision, obliterates him, just like burns him. And he's like, thank you for your time, General. And he just like walks out because he's just like pissed off. John Henry is brought to Mannheim's. Uh, He's like, John Henry Irons, it's one thing to hear a version of you is alive on this planet, but to see you here in the flesh? And John Henry's just like, what do you want? He's like, to know if you're the type of man I think you are. So he walks into his office, John follows. So he says that, you know, for years, Lois Lane was coming after him, convinced that he took over inner gang after its leader, Boss Moxie, was killed by Lex Luthor. No matter how much good I've done, how much I've transformed my community. She continues to dig like a dog with a bone. So she's at it again, even sending Superman to my home. John Henry shrugs. He's like, what's that got to do with me? You tell me. He hands him like this fancy like padded folder. And there's a picture of Superman standing, standing next to him in his steel suit. Kyle, Sarah, and Lana are at the diner. So it's like, wait, where the heck is Sophie? They're having this big discussion. One... Why the heck are they having this big private discussion in a public diner? And two, where the heck is Sophie? <laughs> like this kid hardly ever exists. It's almost like she's imaginary. And sometimes they're like, oh, hey, but she's not really there. So Kyle says that they all knew this was going to be awkward. You know, the longer they wait, the harder it's going to be. 
Lana's like, I'm so sorry about what happened. So she's like, I wish I could take it back. She's like, I know that I can't. All I can do is ask for a chance to make things right. And, and Sarah's like, how? And she's like, by promising you right here, right now, that what happened will never happen again. I never want to hurt you, honey. Never. She's like, I'm so disappointed in myself. And Sarah like looks at her dad and is like, mom, about what I said, I didn't mean it. And Lana's like, I know. She's like, I don't know why I said it. And it was really hurtful. And I know it wasn't true. Lana like reaches off to like take her hand, but Sarah kind of pulls back. It's almost like she like kind of flinched. And Lana says that she just wants things to be better. And Kyle says to Sarah, he's like, this is a first step. Maybe just be willing to give it a try. And she nods and she like looks at her mom. Clark comes home. The boys are with Lois in the living room. And he's like, what's wrong? They're like, she's not feeling well. And she's like, I'm fine. She's like, I just overexerted myself a little bit. And he's like, babe, I told you to take it easy. And she's like, wrong day for that. And he's like, what happened? Jordan says that they went to talk to Candace's dad. And he's like, he's the one who hit you? Jonathan just looks at him. Jordan's like, he threatened mom with a gun. She's like, it's fine, Clark. I handle it. He's like, no. He starts to leave. She's like, this is not a job for Superman. And she's like, he's not going. He just walks out of the house. John Henry, there's like other pictures in his folder. Mannheim says that he heard rumblings around Metropolis about a man in a metal suit helping Superman. Didn't think much of it at the time. Now it makes sense. The John Henry that, you know, he knew always wanted to be a hero. He was one of the smartest men he ever met. And then the last picture is, is John Henry and his sister from like that day. So he had this like picture taken and printed like right away. He's like, but he just wouldn't listen. And then there's a picture of Darlene in a van with this device strapped to her chest. And it's like several bombs or something around her. And then the other guys start like swarming around John Henry. So Mannheim's like, how smart are you? He's like, you need to walk away, John. And he's like, where is Darlene? He's like, walk away. And so does she. John Henry looks around and Mannheim's like, don't make the same mistakes he did. John Henry looks at the picture hits a button like on, on his watch, like under the folder. He's like, go to hell. Shoves his way past the goons, goes to the balcony. Thank goodness the balcony door wasn't locked. He goes to the balcony and he just like jumps. And in his suit, like forms around him and he flies away. He tells the AI to scan Metropolis and look for the same plasma like from his ship when he arrived. At the diner, Emmett, Candace's dad, is at the counter. Clark walks in. And Lana's like, Clark, are you okay? And he's like, nope. And walks up to Candace's dad. He's like, Emmett Pergandy? He's he's like, I'm John Kent's dad, Lois Lane's husband. And he's like, we need to have a talk. He's like, get the hell out of my face. Clark leans in. He's like, you hit my son? Pull a gun on my wife? Now you and I are going to step outside so we can talk. Emmett slowly turns, eating his french fry. He's like, I'm not going anywhere with you. And Candace is unfortunately is there working. She's like, you know, behind him. And Clark's like, I'd really rather not do this in front of your daughter. So then Emmett gets up and and then Kyle like puts his hand like to kind of like shield Sarah because you know, in case something happens. Mm-hmm. Emmett says, he's like, You think she hasn't seen this before? And then he goes to like <laughs> shove Clark. He like gives him a big shove, doesn't even move a bit. Like, not even a fraction. And then he swings, but Clark dodges, grabs his head, slams it against the counter, holds him down. He's like, now, if you ever threaten my family again, 
take something that isn't yours or sell another dangerous drug, I will come for you. Okay? And he like lets him up. He's like, Anne, my wife will expose you for who you really are, and you will go away for a very long time. He stares at Clark, like he's almost like shaking a bit. And he's like, now leave. And he scoots out of there. <laughs> and Kyle's like, damn, Kent. <laughs> and Clark's like, I'm sorry to interrupt everyone's dinner. And he walks up to Candace. He's like, I'm really, really sorry you had to see that. And she's like, did, did my dad really hurt John? He like nods lightly. And she's like, can I see him? He's like, yeah. She grabs her coat and they leave together, even though she's supposed to be working. With John Henry, the AI finds like the plasma in the parking garage. He only has 30 seconds before it detonates. He goes there, rips open the door, and like jumps out of the suit. Darlene's like shocked to see him because it's like this is her brother, but not her brother. He's like, I got you, I got you. Um, he he looks at it, he's like, he talks to himself, he's like, I designed this. He turns this like the circular part. He's like, okay, it's like um then he said he probably used biometrics as a kill switch. So then the, the AI's like five, four, three, two, one. He puts like his fingers and his thumbs like on some slots around the circular thing, like hoping the bio, so by biometrics, I'm assuming means like fingerprints, like hopefully that'll like turn it off. He like turns it, it takes it off and then she like goes in his arm and then he's like, I'm sorry. So it worked. Then we see Mannheim standing on his balcony looking smug or whatever. <laughs> I love this part. John Henry flies out. He like sees him coming grabs him by the throat, whoosh, slams him. You know, they're on the balcony. They go through like the door, like back into his office, like against like the bar in the back. And then he like opens his helmet so he can see his face. I should kill you right now. Mannheim's like, but you won't. And John Henry's like, you don't know me. He's like, I know your family though. And not just that sister of yours here in Metropolis. He's like, the whole family down in New Orleans. Anything happens to me, they all die. My people are just waiting for the order. And John Henry like stares at him and releases his grip around his like his throat. He's like, I guess I know you better than you think, which is why you're going to fly out of here and never come back. Because if I see you or your war suit again, you're going to find out exactly what kind of man I am. And John Henry's like, I know what you are. Then it shouldn't be a problem. Consider it a favor for an old friend. And John just like flies out. But then he kind of like straightens himself up. So he's probably maybe peed his pan a little bit, I hope. Candace is at the Kent. She says that, you know, she knew that her dad wasn't a great guy, but she never thought he'd do anything like this. You know, and the Jonathan, she's like, I'm so sorry. He's like, this isn't your fault. And she's like, well, maybe it is. Everything he's done, dealing XK, stealing the truck, it was to take care of me. Clark's like, those were his decision, not yours. And she's like, it's just that he's all I got. Mm -hmm. Lois is like, you have us. And until you figure everything out, you can stay here. Jordan's like, seriously? Jonathan's like, for real? And she's like, I can't. You have cancer. She's like, yeah, but it doesn't get to decide this. I do. And Clark. And she's like, you can stay in Jonathan's room and he'll stay with his brother. Clark's like, you know, go help Candace get her things. And then she's like, thank you, Miss Lane. They walk out. Lois asks Clark. She's like, where's Candace's dad now? He like listens. Sounds like he's crossing into Shawnee County right now. And, and she's like, that was fast. You must have really scared him. Clark's like, are you sure about this? About her staying here? And she's like, just until she finds something permanent. Then she laughs. She's like, this is going to be a horrible disaster, isn't it? And he's like, yeah, probably. They hug. And he's like, I love you. I love you too. 
Next day, Lois is eating. She's like, more eggs, please. So she has her appetite back, which is great. Candace's, um, she comes down. They're like, Would you want something to eat? She's like, no, that's, that's okay. Jonathan said he's going to drop her off at work. So I don't know if it's just it's all in the weekend, like what, what's going on. Candace tells Lois, um, she's like, I can bring you back some at tea, he likes. And she's like, that'd be lovely. And then Lois says, it seems like, you know, everyone's on their best behavior today. Um, she tells Jordan it was kind of her because he like offered her her seat, you know, when she came down, even though, um, you know, cons- especially considering how he treated his grandfather today. He's like, he told you about that. And she's like, he did. And it's not OK to talk to an adult like that. And he, he's and then he's Superman's like, OK. And he's like, yes, sir. Lois says, like, you are going to apologize to him. And then the two of you are going to go right back to that barbershop. And Clark says that, you know, he's right. If you want to keep being a hero you have to be careful that sometimes means doing things you don't want to he's like okay then at the barbershop you know jordan's with his, with sam he's like you know he says sorry you shouldn't have spoken to him like that sam's like you know to be honest what you said really hurt my feelings he's like there was a time i wouldn't have admitted that but it's true jordan's like says that you know he didn't deserve it you know he was just trying to help him and he's like we good and he's like yeah so jordan's about to get out then sam's like wait he's like you know i've been thinking about it after you left how I was when I was your age and everything was so damn important, especially the way you look. He's like, there might be another option. Pulls out a box from the, the back seat. He says he had his team put together or something. He's like, it should keep your hair in check. So it's like this black suit or something like that. Jordan's like, this is awesome. Sam's like, and it's not, that's not even the best part. Hands over like some goggles or something like that. He's like, these were my dad's. He flew in like the second world war. And he's like, I want you to have them. He thinks, and I think it'll you know tie together the whole outfit. And he's like, oh, are you serious? Like, I'll take care of him and everything. He's like, I know you will. He's like, now, how about we go fishing for real this time? So he's not going to get a haircut. Lois and Clark are at John Henry's. She says, sorry, um, you know, his sister never sh- should have been, would have been a target if she'd listened to him. He shakes his head. He's like, you know, Bruno found him because of what happened with Lana, not because she talked to Darlene. Then she says, that, you know, it's still not an excuse for keeping it from him. Clark's like, you know, maybe you should have another talk with Bruno. John Henry says not until he, he sets up security measures to keep his family safe. You know, it's like maybe in a couple of weeks. Then uh, they can figure out a way to go after Mannheim. And Lois says that she might have a way. If she signs up as a chemo patient, she'll be like right in the middle of, of Hobbs Bay. And she says that, you know, he spent millions of dollars promoting it as the best in the country. So he won't let anything bad happen to her there because it's too public. And, and she says that, you know, she promises getting healthy is still a priority. So then Orr asks Mannheim if he thinks, you know, because he, I guess she already applied or whatever like that. So he's like, do you think she's really coming just for treatment? He's like, no. Or is like, do you, do you want her taken out? Mannheim says, if I do, then I'll make those arrangements. For now, we just need to know what she wants. And he's like, do you have someone in mind with that? He's like, I do. Me. So, and that's it. So it's like, whatever. Bruno is such a weenie. But I, this is such a good show. So that was Superman and Lois. And then there's The Flash. Season 9, Episode 8, Partners in Time. Oh, this show. It starts off, it's in the year 2123, Flash Museum. This cloaked person walks in like the dark, goes to the weapons vault, manages to open it, trips an alarm, just like a little like laser beam like thing. It's like so obvious. Uh, it was even green and dark. I don't know. Maybe you couldn't see it. 
Um, then the, this person opens this like portal to escape, and the, the camera zooms in on the certificate on the wall. It's like DOE approved inspection. It's like a certificate dated April fifth, twenty twenty three, and it's still there. Was that the last time it was inspected? I don't know. Was, what's the significance? We find out later. Then we're at Barry and Iris's. Barry finishes painting the crib. It's like purple and yellow. He's like, "Oh, I, do you think Nora will like it?" And Iris is like, "Well, you could probably ask her in about seven months." Then he gets Iris some ice cream, whatever, because she said something like that. So he like zips out, comes back. She gives him a gift too. It's like a mint condition of his magazine with his dad. Like I don't know if it's like is his dad a doctor, like a medical magazine or something. He's like, oh, I've been looking for this. He's like, how'd you find this? Whatever. Then he gets a text because he scheduled a mold inspection at Star Labs to make sure it's safe for Nora and everything. Then she's like, do you think it's a good idea having a stranger walking around? He's like, oh, you know, we seal stuff in the star archives and, you know, put away the Team Flash stuff. So it'll be fine. Then Barry talks to Keon about because she's going to go meet Caitlin's mom. And she's like nervous. She's like, but I'm not her daughter. And he's like, well, neither was Frost. And Kate, Carla loved her almost as much as she loved Caitlin. You know, she just wants to get to know you better. And Keon worries that she might say something wrong and, you know, she'll walk out the way, you know, Mark did. And Barry's like, just go have coffee and, you know, see how it goes. Chester comes in and says, like, oh, the, the inspector just uh, reached security. And he's like, are you sure you don't want me to stick around? Barry's like, no, it's your day off. He's like, and I'm the Flash. He's like, I can handle a mold inspector. But then there's like a team of four people. So one guy is actually a mold expert. But when Barry called him, it triggered code enforcement or something like that. Um, the lab's permits haven't been updated since the infamous particle accelerator incident. So that's why they're doing a full DOE inspection. So Department of, what's the E for? Environment or something like that? And Barry's like, uh, okay. He's like, what are you looking for besides mold? This lady says that she's scanning for ionized radiation particles or something like that. And she's like, looks like you have a lot of that around here. This other lady's like, and I'm here to check all of your electrical then Iris shows up because she was craving Cecile's leftover casserole because Barry was going to bring it home or something like that. Then um, he tells inspectors that he'll meet them in the speed lab. And Iris is like, well, I can help. You know, she's like handling bureaucratic jackassery is, is my thing. Then the electrical inspector, she comes up and she's like, um, I, I need to just look at that thing with the electrical stuff in it. And Iris is like, the uh, breaker box? And she's like, right, the breaker box. Um what was up with that so then uh then the dude's like what's the speed lab for and iris like oh it's funny you know we hardly spend any time in here since it's so you know whatever um she's like maybe we should just move on and then they all start they they leave barry's like uh he tells her he's like oh the breaker box is through here they go through this door you know because they go down the hall they go around the corner whatever they end up back in the speed lab and they're like the one main dude He's like, we just left here. He's like, what are you trying to pull? Uh, and Barry's like, uh, we must have taken a wrong turn. He's like, in your own facility? So they leave. They go down this other door or whatever. And then they're back in the lab like on the other side. What the H-E double hockey sticks going on here? Barry's like, um, you know, I have no idea. The mold guy notices a grandfather clock. He's like, uh, that wasn't here before. Then it like chimes. The particle lady's like, you know, she looks at it. She's like, this is from like the 19th century, but it looks like it was built yesterday. The main guy, he's like, I know how you're doing this. He's like, there's like two labs in the same vicinity. And Barry's like, uh, you got me. And he's like, ha. Then Barry tells Iris, he's like, he's like, I can run to the future and see what happens and then run back. 
because you know his gut is telling him that you know these people are like in in real danger. Chester and Allegra are playing Scrabble. Dread Cecile's. Um, she gets like a text alert or something like that. And because uh, in in the 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 luck episode, she used her powers at the bar to zap like some of the goons or whatever. And now social media is buzzing about a new light meta. And she's like, the description sounds exactly like me. So she's worried about people finding out. Chester's like, oh, you know, you could be, you know, a celebrity superhero. And, you know, he's like, you know, because you're so amazing. He's like, I don't even know how I was lucky enough to end up with you. He's like, but I'm not even going to ask that. All I know that, you know, I love you and you mean the world to me. And he's like, uh, I didn't mean that because he said he loves her. Well, he's like, well, of course I meant it. He's like, uh, uh, he's like, well, not, you now you talk. Cecile comes in and like tells Cecile, like, oh, you should come join us because she started her playing, you know, games. She's like, we can play this other whatever, something like that. And she's like, are you guys OK? Because she's like sensing that, you know, obviously they're tense. Iris returns to the others and she's they're like, what happened to Mr. Allen? And she's like, oh, he's in the bathroom. He's going to be there for a while. So Barry, meanwhile, he's like running around and you can see like whoosh, whoosh, and then the place kind of shakes and this energy wave kind of washes over him. And they're like, what was that? Whatever. And, and then Iris is like in this like kind of fancy gown with jewelry. Cause they're, you know, like, what was that? And she's like, uh, it's, it's another prank, you know, uh, but, but then all their outfits change. They're all from like different time periods. And Barry ends up like falling down this like ramp, whatever he's in his suit. It's kind of like a star Trek suit with like a flash symbol. And Iris is like star Wars. The main inspector. He's like, Oh, I bet. I know it's probably Johnson from division pulling a prank. He's like, let me guess. He called ahead. Then they realized that um, that's not the case. And Barry's like, uh, no, it's not. So he's like, but this is pretty serious. And they're like, well, how do you know? Whatever. Choo, choo, choo. He zips around him because I'm the Flash. And the main guy's like, yeah, that makes sense. And then he faints. So they start talking serious uh, theories. Um, they they mentioned like well maybe there's like a time magnet because this the one main guy is like into science fiction so whatever he thinks that that could be it. Barry says that when he was doing research for the map book he found out a hundred years from now the weapons vault is right there. So Iris like let me guess one of the weapons is a time magnet. So someone didn't apparently take a time, maybe a time stabilizer or maybe someone stole it. Uh, she's like so or so someone in this room is a thief. At Cecile, things are awkward. Cecile consented, and she's like, you know, I have some legal briefs to look at upstairs. And Allegra's like, no, 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 let's play again. And Chester's like, no, no, it's okay. He's like, I'll go. And Allegra doesn't like say anything to stop him. Then Cecile asks, she's like, are you going to tell me what happened? Back in the speed lab, everyone's, they're, they're, they're going to get scanned because a time traveler would have like extra something, radiation or something like that. The electrical lady scans clear. The main dude his energy, whatever he, or he says the energy inspector seems to know a lot about this. So maybe she's a time thief, but she says that it's about mathematical knowledge, but maybe time travel causes temporary amnesia. So maybe she is a time thief. Her scan comes out clear. The mole guy, he's clear too. There's only one left. He says, uh, he's like, Oh, this is a ruse. He's like a way to distract, you know, us from an inspection. You know, you're in your faulty facility. But then he like starts going in pain or something like that. And then he turns into a statue. So it's like he was erased and replaced by the statue. And Barry says that, you know, if they don't all get out of there soon, they're next. Then the electrical lady's like, Iris did it with the scanner. She's like, that's just so stupid. Allegra tells Cecile 
Chester told her that he loved her. Um, and she's like, was well, that bad? And she's like, well, I love him so much it hurts. He's like, but people that I love, they leave or worse. Cecile's like, if Chester loves you, he won't leave. Allegra's like, but that's what my dad said before he bailed on me and my mom. And my mom said the same thing before she kicked me out of the house. So Cecile mentions, she, she says some stuff, you know, she had a failed marriage. You know, you, you just, yeah, you, you can't live like that. You just got to, you know, try for the best and everything. You just got to live in a moment. Iris and Barry talk. He blames himself for trying to, you know, go to the future again, you know, because that never works. She mentions that she's worried that she, you know, she won't be able to do everything she's used to. You know, she's being pregnant. She's tired all the time. She just wants to eat everything in sight. She's forgetting things. And it's like she's stuck in the past and he's racing the future. But she doesn't want him to think that she, you know, she regrets getting pregnant. And he says that she's not the only one getting things mixed up. He's like, I know who the time thief is. So they go to the others. It's possible the room is full of temporal particles. Um, it, so it becomes volatile when exposed to electrical energy. He says the place hasn't been inspected in like nine years. The electrical valves could be bad. So it's a good thing the inspector's here. So could she inspect those valves? And, you know, you know where does she want to start? She's like, um, I'll check the wires. And he's like, which ones? She's like, the red ones. He's like, then what? Then, he's like, then you'll call a plumber because the check valves control water flow, which you would know if you were an electrical inspector. And he's like, you're the time thief. And she's like, prove it. He's like, you didn't know what a breaker box was. And then they actually give us a, a flashback, which was so obvious. Then she hits something on her neck and she changes into like her cloaked outfits. And she has this mask. And there's even like like clock dials on her forehead. <laughs> and she has this scepter. And then like the, the particle and the mold inspectors, they get turned into like garden gnomes or something like that. She tells Flash, she's like, we're running out of time. So get me the hell out of here. Or Mrs. Flash gets it next. And Barry's like, who are you? She's like, Lady Kronos, the greatest thief times ever known. Now get me out of here before we're erased. And Iris is like, you know, why not get rid of the time magnet? She's like, uh-uh, this baby's my retirement. So I don't know if it's the actress or the character. I found it so incredibly annoying. Uh, and she's like, uh-uh. She's like, she's like, I can't recharge my time belt. And so, so, But then Barry says that he can charge it up or something like that. And um, then she, she, she says that the second she returns it, you know, because there's like just take the time scepter back or whatever, and all. But she's like, the second she returns it, she'll get arrested. And Barry's like, well, at least you'll still be alive. So she opens the portal. I'm obviously I'm I'm skipping over some stuff. So she opens the portal, goes through. Things return to normal. Then Iris is like, well, what about Howard and the others? And he's like, we're right behind you. And the real electrical inspector is there because we saw Lady Kronos like knocked him out and stuck him in in the trunk or something like that. But he's there. He has this eye patch. It seems like it's like, okay, no offense, you know, people, actors with eye patches should get jobs too, but it just seemed like so out of place. Like, is there a reason he has an eye patch? Is it just, I don't know, it seemed weird, but they're all there, whatever. But then it's like, wait, they're all kind of acting like they don't know that he's the Flash. So it's like, do they know or do they not know? So it's like, just like the way, how they said something or whatever. So then they later they fill in Keown. Because, uh, you know, they were stuck. She's like, you were stuck in a speed lab all day? And Barry says that the timeline reset itself 
So Howard and the others, they walked in like nothing had happened. So I guess they didn't remember anything, but it, it just felt like they did. Keon says that she could have told him that they don't have a mold problem. And he's like, how? She's like, I don't know. I just can. Because, you know, there's, there's something with her about like nature, it seems like. Barry says that they pass inspection. You know, a lot has happened here in nine years. We get more flashbacks. It's like, really? <laughs> and then Barry's like, well, how'd it go with Carla? And Keon's like, it turns out she doesn't want me to replace Caitlin or Frost. She just wants to get to know me as her friend. And she seems pretty wise. She's like, I could use a female mentor since I'm only, what, about like eight weeks old? Then she's, she's like, well, I know Iris is hungry. And Barry's like, well, why don't we all go to this one restaurant? And Iris like, for cheese fries? And he's like, yeah. And Keon's like, do I like cheese fries? And he's like, we'll find out. Then it cuts the jitters. Chester's sitting there alone. Then Allegra shows up. And he kind of turns away. She's like, wow, you can't even look at me. He's like, well, I know I messed up. You know, it was way out of line. I moved too fast. He's like, so now you want to call the whole thing off? And she's like, no. She's like, I messed up. She's like, I, I was in so many messed up relationships. You know, it's it's hard to accept a good one. No, no, not a good one, a great one. And when you said that you love me, I just thought that. Well, what if it doesn't work out? Or what if I screw up? But that's my baggage. Blah 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 blah. And she's like, I love you too. You do? She's like, I just hope I'm not too late. Blah. Uh, then the last scene Barry's like reading the magazine and Iris is like eating ice cream and he she like won't share she's like get your own which is so rude so shoop, he zips out he, he comes comes back he has had a bowl of ice cream he's like and the freezer is filled with your favorite ice cream too so it's like she wouldn't give him a bite of her ice cream but he goes and fills up the freezer he's like what a jerk Iris that's the end of the episode woo yeah all right, then The Mandalorian, Chapter 22, Season 3, Episode 6, Guns for Hire. This episode was kind of weird. This season has been kind of weird. Uh, I, I, I'm not really sure how I feel about it. I mean, I'm enjoying it, but... I, I mean, I guess it's fine. It just it doesn't seem like there's a huge firm direction did there yet there's things happening because i mean what really is mandalorian trying to do uh, at the beginning you, you could say he's just trying to re redeem himself so he can become a mandalorian again so you know going to the the waters or whatever but he did that and i guess now it's a matter of trying to do what's best for the people and, you know, get them a, a home and, and all this stuff. So, and then that now means working with, with uh, Bo-Katan. I don't know. It's, it's weird. And a lot of this, it's, it's almost like how it was before. It's like, what is the task of the week? It's like, okay, go here. You got to do this. And then boom. And then you move just a tiny bit further. Maybe it's, it's, it is kind of like a video game where, you know, you have to do these other tasks and then you get your XP points or whatever, and then you can move forward. You can do the next thing. It's like, okay, I'm going to do this side quest to get more XP. And then I'll go on towards the main goal. I don't know. Anyways, it starts off. There's a ship in space. Um, the corn, corns are fighting. They're kind of like the, the squid shape aliens. They're going to planet Trask or something like that. This Imperial ship approaches and it's too fortified for them to take it. So they, they 
try hailing it saying you know the, the captain she's like oh you know we were unaware of any local warlords that require payment the other ship's captain's like uh i'm not a criminal and then the corn captain's like oh i meant no disrespect we we're uh, unaware of any grand imperial presence and they're like well we're not imperial either so then uh the corn the captain mentions like hiring them to protect them then we finally see who's on this other Imperial ship. It's the other Mandalorians that were with Bo-Katan before, like Axe Woves and the other. So Axe or Woves, whatever, Axe. <laughs> he tells them that they're Mandalorian. And sadly, they're too late to hire them. He said they've been commissioned to track them down. So the Quarren captain says, that it's like, this is an act of war. And Axe laughs, saying that they're privateers. They're individuals for hire. The price is high, but they're very good at what they do. And they're loyal as well. So unfortunately, they cannot, cannot accept her generous offer. They're already hired by a certain Mon Calamari viceroy who has reason to believe they've absconded with her son. And she's like, that is a lie. And he's like, you know, we've, we finally have peace with them. Why would we jeopardize peace and prosperity? You know, we've suffered too much from war. And it acts like, I didn't mention war. He's like, then uh, this Mon Calamari runs onto the bridge. So he's like, I won't go. I won't go back. He's like, we're in love. So we have a, a Mon Calamarian and a Quarren interspecies during love. You know, whatever. Diversity, right? Then uh, he and the captain, you know, they're they're both in love. So it's this dude, whatever. And the, the, cap- the Quarren captain acts like, sorry. It's like, I got to bring you back home to your folks. After that, you can do whatever you want. So then... The ship captain, she's like, you got to go. He's like, we don't have a choice. He doesn't want to go. Then we see Bo-Katan, Mando, and Grogu. They fly down to this planet in their ship. They approach Axe Wove's ship, and they can see like the fleet. Mando's impressed with the, with the size of the fleet and everything. She says it took her a long time to assemble it. And then Mando's like, well, it could come in hand- handy when reclaiming Mandalore. She says that Axe Wove's is their leader now, and it's going to take some convincing to get them to join them. Mando wonders, like, well, why are they here? And she says that, you know, the planet isn't any and any New Republic registry. So she guesses it's an independent world that hired them for protection. And Mando's like, well, I can't imagine the wolves would be happy to see you. And when they get out, they're greeted by this, like, black protocol droid and, like, an ast- black astromech droid. It's almost like C-3PO and R2, but they're all black. And, and then he asks, Mando asks Bo-Katan, like, why do they have Imperial droids here? And she's like, well, it's the outer rim. So, you know, your guess is as good as mine. They go into this transport thing. And she asks the, the, the computer or whatever transport thing to take them to the bay closest to the Mandalorian fleet. But they have to get their chain code scanned. So it identifies them as Din Djarin and Bo-Katan, whatever. So it says their presence has been requested by the leadership of the planetary democracy. Bo's like, well, I'm afraid we have more pressing matters and then they're told this is not a request so please do not attempt to leave the vehicle Shroom, takes off then she's like i've never been here have you he's like i've never even heard of it so he asks if she thinks that they're gonna have to blast her way out she's like we'll see they enter this building this uh man like yells at him to join them you know it's this big dinner party there's all these different alien species at at the table the dinner party is hosted by captain bombardier who is played by Jack Black. All right, so I'm not the biggest Jack Black fan. Um, I mean, he, he's a good actor. I don't find his 
his his humor is not my type of thing. Now, everyone that I seem I seem to talk to, they love Jack Black. Awesome, great. To me, eh, you know, it, it's fine. I feel like sometimes it's it's a matter of like when it's like the physical comedy. It's to me, sometimes it feels like it's like trying too hard to be funny, and and that just it's not what I care for. But again, like I said, people like it. So the problem with you know he he's he's done some good roles. You know, I I, I will admit that. You know, like I said, he's a good actor. The problem is when I see Jack Black in something like The Mandalorian, it's a distraction. It's like, oh, there is Jack Black. It it you can't put some someone like that in you know as just like third rate character, fourth rate you know just side character, and not be like, whoa, that's Jack Black. You know, love him or, or not, it's it's a distraction. So he's there. Um, the the party's hosted by Jack Black and the Duchess, and the Duchess is played by Lizzo. Now Lizzo, I don't know much about Lizzo. I think she's a singer, right? And from what I understand, she is an amazing singer. I think she's like supposed to be like a really good singer. I I, I don't listen to Lizzo music. I can't. I mean, I I'm sure. I've heard Lizzo songs. I can't name one. It's just my taste runs differently. Again, you know, huge respect to her because I, from from what I understand, she's she's supposedly amazing. But I, I don't know. So her being on here is not really a distraction to me because it's it doesn't stand out. I I don't know if other people immediately were like, oh, there's Lizzo, and it could be the same thing where it would be a distraction. Okay, so it, it just feels like they're kind of like, oh, hey, Star Wars, we'd really love to be in, in an episode, do a cameo. I, I don't know. Maybe someone lost a bet. Maybe someone owes someone a favor. I don't know. But we have that. <laughs> but then the, I actually like Lizzo in this. And again, it's probably because I, I don't know her. You know, I don't recognize her, whatever. And again, it's my complete ignorance. Let me just make that clear. But she's like, oh, can I hold the baby? And Mando's like, oh, he doesn't take kindly to strangers. <laughs> His part was so, it was kind of dumb, but it made me laugh. And if, uh, she holds up like this little fish. And then Grogu is like, whoa. <laughs> I think it was like a fish or something like that. Grogu leaps out of his pod, like into her lap. <laughs> it was just so silly. So they, they start talking about their history. You know, Jack Black was an imperial. The Duchess was royalty. They fell in love. Now they they have both royal and elected leaders. Blah, blah, blah. But the Mandalorians there are, are hired for their protection because their charter forbids them from having military because of his military past. Bo-Katan says that, well, they'd like to see the privateers. Uh, Bombardier says that that's not a problem, but one condition, they must see the view. So it turns out that they actually have a droid problem. The Imperial droids are malfunctioning, even though they've been reprogrammed. The Mandalorians outside the city cannot enter because the Charter prohibits any standing army from entering. So they want them to help them with the problem. Bo-Katan says, well, you know, unlike the others, she's not a mercenary. And Bombardier 
apologize. Says it would not be an act of charity. You know, it would be good relations between their planets. So Plazir fifteen would formally recognize Mandalore as a sovereign system and petition a new republic to recognize it as such. The Duchess says that the military captain Axwoves indicated that he split from her because she had designs on ruling Mandalore once again. So Bo-Katan smiles and says that those plans have been abandoned. Bombardier says, well, the offer still stands. So she turns to Din and she's like, what do you think? He's like, you had me at battle droids. Because, you know, they mentioned battle droids. Whatever. So they go to the control room. They talk to a commissioner Hellgate. Third cameo of the episode that I know of. <laughs> I think this is the only other cameo. Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd it's kind of a distraction. Not as much, I think. I mean, I don't know. I, cause I, I think with Jack Black, because, you know, he's currently sporting the big beard. So he's got this big beard. Just He's he's just got a big presence. Christopher Lloyd, you know, he, he just, he's supposed to be this, like, technician dude sitting at a, at a council. He looks apart. And I will say his performance here is top-notch. He's just really great at what he does, so more on him. Um, the droid reprogramming seemed like it was a success, but then there was an isolated event, and they, he shows footage. Just trash droid is like emptying a garbage can. Also, like this is some bin. All of a sudden, just starts shaking it. Garbage starts going all over the place. Then we see one of the, like the Roger Roger droids carrying like a woman's boxes to like her apartment or something like that. And then it, like one spills and it starts like just pulling stuff out of the boxes, and, and the woman screams. Then there's footage of this like driver droid and and you know smashing some stuff then there's like this uh, multi-armed droid that's kind of like a chef like a like a, a benihana type place and then this, the arm starts swinging it camera cuts i don't know if people got like sliced up or whatever bokatan's like just turn them off and hellgate's like what it's like why not turn them all off and who's in charge of that and he's like i am He's like, there's a failsafe cutoff switch built into the system. So there's like this big red button. He's like, however, the citizens voted against any interruption in droid services. They can't live without them. And she's like, why is that? He's like, the citizens are no longer required to work. So if they shut them down, you know, they wouldn't know how to survive. Their society would collapse. Bo-Katan asks, well, what do you want from us? He says, seek out and decommission any remaining rogue droids until they can fix the problem. She's like, well, give us a list. And Hellgate says, for that, she'll have to go to the lower level and speak to the Ugnots. So they take a lift down, way down, like going deep below the city, whatever. Then it's like, see what happens when you rely on droids? And she asks, is like, are you taking this personally? He's like, I'm just pointing it out. When they arrive, she introduces herself and asks, which one's in charge? They all ignore her. You know, they're all at their stations working on different droids and stuff like that. She's like, we were sent here on behalf of the Duchess and a bombardier. Nothing. And then Din's like, I am Mandalorian Din Djarin, friend of Ugnat Quill. And this gets her attention. You will answer our questions and help us with our task. I have spoken. And then it cuts to her sitting around like a table. They're having some drinks. Din thanks them for their hospitality, letting them sit with them. So they were engage, engaged to hunt down and eliminate the malfunctioning droids. And Ognat says, there are no such droids. bo says, well, you may not have heard the news down here, but your your droids are wrecking havoc on the world above. This Ognat dude, he's like, there's not much happening there that they're not aware of. And he assures mm-hmm. her the droids are not malfunctioning. 
Bo says, um, the citizen have been harmed. Ognat's like, this is not the case. I have spoken. Mando says, they're not suggesting that their work is to blame. The stories of Ognat's skills with droids is legendary. They know that they're considered the hardest working species in the galaxy. So they, like them, have been engaged with the task to perform. They're going to investigate the incidents and would appreciate their help. So Ognat talks to another, gives him a scanner. He's like, here are the locations of the droids you, you seek. He's like, thank you. We are in your debt. I have spoken. So they go to the transport tram. And she's like, what was that? He says that he spent time with Ugnots. There's a particular way to communicate with them. Accusing their work of, of malfunctioning is an insult. So they give him the next possible event at the loading docks. They arrive. Bo-Katan says that she hasn't seen battle droids since the Clone Wars. And he's like, I have. So this battle droid, um, it's a rod. I'm not really clear on the difference of the battle droids. So battle droids, I don't know if those are, I, those are like the Roger Roger ones, right? Because then what are like the bigger battle droids? Like with the, that are bigger tops? Wardro, I don't know. I, I even tried looking up, like what the heck is this called? I'm not a battle droids expert. I'm not, a, I wasn't a big fan of the droids. Anyway, so his battle droids like, it's like, halt, this is a restricted area. And she says that they're there on behalf of the Duchess as she talks. <laughs> so the, the bigger battle droids are like carrying these like crates, like all in a, in a line. They're just, just like marching along. So he's like waving his hand in front of these bigger ones as they walk by carrying the crates. And then one or talks, he's like, oh, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And he's like, why not? And he starts to kind of like kicking them as they walk by. They kind of stumble a little bit, but they keep walking because they're programmed to carry these crates, then, you know, whatever. And then he kicks one and it drops his crate and then it writes itself up, backhands Mando. He goes, like, <laughs> gets knocked down. Then it starts running. So bo shoots. They chase it. They end up in this like populated area. And it's every once in a while, it would stop, like pick up some big, large object and throw it at them. So Mando, he like splits up, cuts through this building and to, to try to cut it off. They're both shooting at it from like front and back. And it goes down and bo looks closely. She says that she found a spark pad. And he's like, what's it say? And she reads it. It says the resistor. So Mando's like, sounds like a droid bar. And, and then there's also an address. So then when they get there, she's like, let me do the talking inside. He's like, why is that? She's like, because she wants to get the info and get to the fleet, you know, as soon as they can. So she says that, you know, him kicking the droid wasn't helpful. He's like, well, it got us to find out which one was malfunctioning. They go inside and then like the, the kind of the music and the talk, everything like stops as soon as they enter. She's like, oh, I guess I haven't seen like our kind too often or something like that. You know, humans. She starts talking to like the, the sort of bartender and he goes on about how they comply to the rules and blah, 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 stuff like that. Then Mando grabs his tool and says, like, if you don't answer a question, I'll yank your memory circuit and dissect it back at the lab. And then he turns and he's like, nobody leaves because like there's, there's someone, one droid's like starting to head towards the exit. She's like, what are you doing? He's like, he says that, that, that she's wasting her time. He's like, you can't reason with droids. And she's like, their behavior is programmed. All they do is reason. He's like, they're also programmed not to harm organics. How's that going? So she says that he's not helping. Just because one visited here doesn't mean that they're all in on it. The bartender says that he wants to help. And, and, and Amando, he's like, do you want me to pull your hearing sensors too? Because <laughs> he's like listening in on them, even though they're like not like right by him. The droid's like, they're all worried if this, you know, horrible 
incidents, whatever, if they continue, that they'll all be, and it's like, so there's concerns among the customers that they'll be replaced. And Bo-Katan's like, by what? And the droid's like, humans. He's like, most of us have been refurbished and reprogrammed. Some droids date back to the separatists. The New Republic would, you know, send them the scrap. You know, here on Plazir, they're given a second chance. So they don't want to be replaced. Bogotan asks if he has a record of what of, of each of the customers ordered here. He says that's not how it works here. You know, here droids are are served nepotent nepent or some something. Mando's like, what is that? So it's this viscous lubricant that protects against mechanical wear while delivering something. And it didn't ask if it reprograms the droids. And it it, it seems that. The malfunctioning droids all drank from the same batch or something like that. So they go to the lab where the latest malfunctioning droid is. The lab tech says it, it, there's still some of that stuff inside. Mando wonders if it's still active. Then this probe droid gets hit by a signal or something like that. And it, it starts like shooting at them. So Bo-Katan and the technician are like pinned down. You know, It's like shooting. Mando takes out the dark saber, slices it in half. The technician examines. There's particles inside, and there's like, oh, actually, there are nanodroids in there. So Bo-Katan's like, how did nanodroids get inside the the nepenthe whatever? So th- there's the uh, technician's like, oh, there's also some striations in the metal, and and the you know that they're looking at Mandel's um, they're they're supposedly maybe it's from the blade whatever. And Bo-Katan's like, no, it's writing. It's like you know, turn it a little bit and, and you know, zoom here. So Mando's like, you know, rotate perspective. Um, the text says that it's a chain code. So they're originally manufactured by the Techno Union. They've been in cold storage for ages. So that the, the chain thing says that it didn't arrive on Plazir, though. It went through um, droid acquisitions. So they were requisitioned by the security office. Bogotan asks, is that unusual? And they're like, the technician's like, that's illegal. It's like, there's no record of the transaction on the government registry. So these droids were ordered by an individual. And she's like, is there a name? Our head of security, Commissioner Hellgate. So Christopher Lloyd, they head out. They go to commissioner. He's like, oh, I'm busy right now. And they say they know about the Nepanthe and the nanodroids. He's like, they didn't malfunction. You programmed them to disrupt an attack. And so the man was like, you're coming with us. He stands with his hand over this big red button. He's like, everybody freeze. If I trigger this failsafe, it will convert the planet's docile workforce back into battle droids and unleash them upon the unsuspecting citizens of Plazir. He's like, don't make me do it. Bo-Katan tells him, like, there's no way out. It's like, give yourself up. He's like, give up? I'd never give up. I didn't give up to the corrupt republic. I didn't give up to the empire. And I won't give up to you. And she's like, you're a separatist. Separatist is a pejorative term. I support democracy. Count Dooku was a visionary. He was cut short in his prime by the Jedi Enforcer. Bo-Katan shoots him with a shot dart. He falls over with a thud. And she's like, politics. So the Duchess and Bombardier are playing like some sort of like games, almost like a croquet game or whatever. Grogu's like using the force to help her. So he's like basically cheating. Mando and Bo-Katan come out with the commissioner. He's like kind of handcuffed. Bombardier is like, what are you doing with them? And Mando's like, we found a cause of your malfunctions. Duchess speaks. She's like, is this true? And he's like, I'm afraid it is, my lady. And Bombardier is like, despicable. You know, if that isn't a 
Quanta calling to the stifling or slimy or something like that. Hellgate says that the planet is unrecognizable since Bombardier, Bombardier arrived. And he's and Jack Black's like, I had a feeling you hated me. Dutch is like, I'm disappointed in you, Commissioner. You serve my family well. Captain Bombardier is the love of my life. I know his heart is true. So he says he's sorry. He's like, perhaps someday I'll earn your forgiveness. And she's like, perhaps. Until then, you are to live in exile on moon, blah, 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 or something. And in the Bo-Katan Mando, she says that she grants them an audience with their deployment of Mandalorian privateers. She also gives them both their highest honor, the key to plazier. They will always be welcome in their dome paradise. So Bo-Katan accepts the key. The Dutch is like, and to this little one, I grant knighthood. You are now a knight of the ancient order of independent regencies. So she takes a little sword to him, to his shoulders. Go in peace, brave travelers, until our paths meet again. They head out. <laughs> Mando's like, they're Mandalorians. You're their leader. They're going to follow you. She's like, I'm not their leader anymore. Axe Wolves is. He's like, then what's your play? She's like, I'll know when I get there. They approach. They start walking up to him. And Axe's like, have you come back to join the mercenaries? And Bo-Katan's like, I've come to reclaim my fleet. He's like, it's no longer your fleet, is it? He's like, I'm now in command and I've grown quite fond of it. She keeps approaching. She's like, then I challenge you, one warrior to another. Do you accept my challenge? He stands. He's like, I do. He shoots at her, like not even like no preparation. And as she like jumps up with her jetpack, she lands with her feet at his chest. He gets up, pulls out a blade. She extends a blade from her wrist. He swings, misses. She knocks him down. He charges at her, like using his jetpack, slam into his ship. They He tries like swinging a blade at, at, at her. They both try getting up. And then he lands a punch. He kicks her. Um, she goes down, shoots a wrist rocket at, at her and, and misses. She charges using the jetpack and gets a blade to his neck. So she's like behind him. She's like, do you yield? He sets off his jetpack. They go up and land on top of a ship with kind of like a thud. There's another punch. She falls off like the top of the ship, but she shoots a cable at him, brings him down. She lands on her feet because she's more prepared. He doesn't. He kind of falls on his back. He shoots his flamethrower at her, but she uses like her holo shield to, to block it. She flies up, lands on top of him, gets a blade to his neck again. And she's like, do you yield? He's like, you'll never be the true leader of our people. You won't even take the dark saber from him. He's the one that you should be challenging. And she's like, enough Mandalorian has been spilled by our own hands. So she gets up off him. And to everyone, she's like, Mandalorians are stronger together. Axe Wolves gets his feet. He's like, but a misguided zealot possesses the blade. One, I might add, who has not one drop of Mandalorian blood in his vein. She says, Din Jaren took the creed and chose to walk the way, just as our ancestors did. He's every bit the Mandalorian that they were, certainly as much as any of us. Axe says, but according to our ways, the ruler of Mandalore must possess a darksaber. Mando's like, then she shall have it. He goes up to her and he like holds it out. He's like, this belongs to you. It's, and she's like, it's not a gift to be given, no matter how well intended. So Mando's like, it's not a gift. He's then to everyone, he's like, while exploring Mandalore, I was captured and this blade was taken from me. Bo-Katan rescued me and slayed my captor. She defeated the enemy that defeated me. Would this blade then not belong to her? They all kind of look around, whatever. He's like, would it not belong to her? 
Axe nods. He's like, it would. So Mando's like, I return this blade to its rightful owner. She takes it, zoom, lights it up. End of the episode. So it's like, okay, that was easy. <laughs> She's got the, the blade now. And it's unfortunate because, you know, it's a cool weapon for him to have. But, you know, he's the Mandalorian. He's, you know, he doesn't need it. But it's still, it, it, it was cool for a while it lasted. So this is getting to be more like Bo-Katan's show because, you know, she's, it's it's all about amping her up and like, you know, getting her, her ready. And uh, I, I was talking, I might even talk, I think I was talking to my daughter about this. When, you know, we saw her in Star Wars Rebels, eh, you know, I was okay with her. You know, I was, I was like, whatever. I don't even really remember too much. Or was it, was it in Rebels or was it Clone Wars? Whatever it was. I was like, okay. But with her appearance here, like the more I see her, the more I like her. I think I think she's, I'm really getting to see she's a cool character. And I appreciate her being, having such a presence. Because when she was before, it's like, awesome. They got the same, you know, they got, what's her name? The, you know, she voiced her in the show and now she's playing her. Like, that's really cool. And it was, I was so glad they did that. And now that she's, you know, more, bigger part of the show for now, for this season, I, I think it's cool. So that was <laughs> the latest episode with way too many guest appearances. Then Star Trek Picard, season three, episode eight, Surrender. I think I could be wrong. I think there's only 10 episodes. So I think there's two episodes. I'm pretty sure there's two episodes left after this. So uh, Vatic, I cannot stand Vatic, she's just too like over the top. Whatever, I mean, I guess it's a different type of character than we're used to. But oh my goodness, so she's like smoking in the captain's chair. I guess there's no smoke detectors. You would think, you know, like during the future. So maybe like no, I don't know. Do people still smoke? Obviously, she does. No, she's smoking in the captain's chair, and she's like, let's start by taking their eyes, and then uh, you know, at meanwhile, Jordy's like unplugs data. But then he says, you know, Laura can't control what he can't access. So, you know, they don't want him hooked up to the computer. But the lights go out because Vatic turned off the lights when she said, take their eyes. Then she's like, let's take their ears. So the comms are cut off. And then the road ahead of them shuts like corridors along the, the way. So And people start screaming. You can hear them screaming, even though she turned off, she shut down the comms. I don't know if she, what she's still hearing, and I think they're they're screaming because I don't know if they're getting attacked by her alien partner cohorts or whatever. There are they all changing things? I don't know. And then, um, then it's it's so annoying. She's like walking around and she's kind of like moving her hands, like she's conducting a symphony, like based off of, of their like screams, and she's not really dancing, but. It's just, it's so stupid, in my opinion. Stupid! I'm saying that. So, whatever. I guess they're getting attacked, and she's enjoying their screams. There's a bunch of, like, the, the crew members are, are standing, like, on a bridge. Like, you know, one sheds a tear, you know, and all that. Shaw's there, and Seven's there. In the, the med room, or somewhere, uh, Beverly, Picard, Sydney, and Jack, they're all there. They're also locked out of everything. They, they can't do anything in, through the computers. Jack starts um, like backing up. Then his eyes go red. Sydney like watches and wonders, like, she's like, what's he doing? Because you know he can read her mind when he's in, his, in the zone. 
he expands his mind. He goes out in the hall and he sees like other crew members. They're either injured or dead, like on the floor. Then this like alien shoots at him and then he gasps. And then in the, the main room, he's like, he says to him, it's, it's no use. You know, she's locked us out. Half the ship is injured or something like that. The Titan is hers now. Vatic's like giggling. He he he. He's like, heck, you, whatever, Titan, this is your captain. So she's saying that they're out of sight or sound, whatever. Um, talks about being able to take away their oxygen or their gravity. And she says that, you know, she could do all this or be on her way with Jack. So she's like, Jack, crush, crush her to the bridge. On the Shrike, I think they're on the Shrike. Uh, yeah. Um, Troy tends to like Riker's head wound because he got hit, you know, or just all his torturing. They're like, they get to be in the same cell, which is very generous, convenient. She talks to him about still being able to take a punch, whatever. He he says stuff like how he's glad he just got to see her face, you know, because when they killed him, he'll know that he got to give her, you know, the old Riker charm one last time. <laughs> then Deanna's, she's like, the changeling posing as you back home was pretty charming as well. He's like, how charming? She's like, good in bed, bad at pizza. He's like, so just like me. <laughs> they laugh. She says that she knew that they were imposters the moment that they arrived, even though she you know, can't read changelings. These, they were different somehow. And he's like, yeah, we, we know. Then she asks if they did the right thing, giving them the compromised code. He's like, well, I couldn't let Vatic torture you anymore. And he knew that Jean-Luc would know what to do. So with any luck, he set a classic Picard trap right now and has Vatic against the ropes. Shaw whispers to Seven on the bridge, he's like, you, you know, you should have blown up the tur- turbo lift, you know, with when she was in that. But she's like, w- w- I couldn't just trade lives because it would, I guess, compromise the bridge and, you know, a bunch of them would die. But he says that he's like, you're a Starfleet officer. It's like, you don't have the luxury of only making choices that feel hunky dory. He's like, everything has consequences. And she's like, even saving your life. He's like, Commander Hansen, my name is Seven of Nine. And it's like, whatever. Then Vadic says, to send a team to find their boy. Then she stupidly talks to Jack some more over uh, the, the intercom that he has 10 minutes to come to the bridge or she'll execute one crew member for every 10 minutes that follow, starting with, and then we don't see who she picks right away. Jack's like goes to leave, but Beverly says, you know, that he can't go and sacrifice himself. Picard's like, you know, once Vadic has him, she'll destroy the ship. She talked about revenge, so that suggests there's something more than just taking him to the, the changeling homeworld. Jack says he's like, well, I'm not a changeling. He's like, I've never changed into anything. He says that, you know, but he has always felt different, but not like their kind, not in that way. Uh, but something has has changed in him. And if he tells them he needs them to swear to him, he's like, I think I can retake the ship. And Picard's like, how? So he's like, you know, Vadic has a ship and her people are everywhere. He says that Vadic cut their vision, but he can still see. He can connect with people, see through their eyes. It's like all in his head. He can, you know, sniff around. Beverly starts like scanning him and stuff. She's like, well, his brain functions are normal. He's not hallucinating. He says that he knows how to sound. And Sydney's like, he's telling the truth. He's like, I've seen him do it. And what he's talking, you know, I know what he's talking about. She's like, I felt him do it to me. He saved my life. Like when he helped her fight the alien, whatever. Picard says that this may indeed be why they've taken to they've been hunting him. So he's special in, in in some way, you know, he's unique. So there may be something to this. An event of a hostile takeover, 
um, high-ranking officers are given an override codex. Sydney says that it would lock down the ship and all the system. The problem is Vatic has control of all the screens except for on the bridge. So Jack says that if he could get up there, you know, maybe, you know, he can do something. He's like, he has to try, you know, even um, maybe try to control one of their own. So Vatic is like looking over to crew members. There's one minute left, Jack. How exciting. Jack enters one of the crew members, this one dude. Picard tells him to enter the codex into council. So he, the the dude just like reaches without looking at a screen. He just starts like entering something. Then Vatic stops, grabs his wrist at the last minute. So you see like security override code, Jean-Luc Picard. And it's like, whatever. Um, she's like, how did you know? Unless, my, 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 is that you in there, Jack? Look at you finally living up to all your potential. Jack exits. He's like, she knows. Vatic announces that his first 10 minutes has expired. So she chooses one and forces one crew member to her knees, asks her her name so Jack, Jack can hear. She's like, Ensign Kova Ren Esmar, communication, USS Titan. Picard's like, says to Jack, he's like, don't. And then Vatic forces down the dude that Jack went into. He starts to say his name and she's like, no, no, tell me something else. Someone who loves you. He's like, I have a son. She's like, Picard has a son. Why don't you tell him to come up here? The dude's like, I can't because I'm Starfleet. Savatic's so like, oh, you want to see what control looks like? She goes to the first one that's on her knees. She holds a phaser to the back of her head. And then she turns to Lieutenant Tavine, the Vulcan science officer. Shoots her. She disintegrates. Which I th- thought, like, if they were to do, like, a, a spinoff show that she... They've had her, like with enough lines that I would think that she would be like a character that would cross over. Yeah. I, I would love to, well, I'd love, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing a show, you know, with, with Todd Stashwick, you know, as a captain Shaw, whatever, but who knows? So then she, Vatic's like, tell them seven's like, she just executed Lieutenant Tavine. And then Vatic tells Jack to come to the bridge. Or we'll have to repeat this exercise again and again and again. Riker and Deanna talk some more. They talk about how their daughter will have nothing if they die or something like that. Then she says that you know that he left the second Picard called. She knows that you know, he was upset with how she handled things when Thad died. And he says that he needed to feel grief. And she says that it was overwhelming him. Riker says, but, you know, she used her whatever powers to go inside his head and dull the pain. But that was enough for her. And he, she says that she felt everyone's pain, not just her own. So he says that it was his last connection to him. And she tried to erase it. And she's like, not erase it, take it, help you carry it. But she forgot the one thing that all, all counselors should remember. You can't skip to the end of healing. So they hug or whatever. Then she says that, you know, if anyone's leaving that place, it's her. Because it turns out they both didn't like where you're living. They just went there for Thad. She says she misses a city and people, you know, complicated people. Then an alien comes, lowers a force field. Riker tries, like, shoving him and tells him, he's like, don't you touch her. But he, like, shoves back. And then he gets impaled from behind. Worf's there. He shoots, disintegrates alien. It's like, what's with the disintegrating phasers? They all they they try hugging him whatever like that and but then you know he obviously he doesn't like hugs. Uh, he says to Deanna, he's like, I've counted the days since we last saw. 
He's like, I've often thought about you and your empathic gifts during my moments of self-evaluation. And she's like, that's wonderful. Riker's like, inappropriate. <laughs> he talks about how, you know, the work that, you know, he's done in himself and everything. Because, you know, now he's more of a pacifist, but obviously not all the way. Riker's, he's like, is this a rescue mission or a continuation of the torture? Worf just kind of looks at him and he's like, "You, we should leave. But first, there's something you must see. So Jack is going on about how he should go to the bridge. Eventually, you know, they're going to find him there. So going up, there's at least a chance. Beverly's like, this won't solve anything. And Sydney's like, she says that she can't access any systems. Uh, if she had like a year, she could like write a code. She talks about how intensive it would be, like all the processing powers it would take, you know, whatever, just to try to do something. Picard looks at her because obviously he's thinking about data. So Jordy is trying to talk to data. He's you know wondering if he's talking to data or lore. And then Bev, uh, Picard, Sydney, and Jack come in. They're all like holding phasers at each other. Jordy's asked him about this gift from like a few years ago. Picard's like, it was some of my wine, you know, from Picard, Chateau Picard, whatever, that Jordy thought was too dry because his taste in wine is pedestrian at best. So Jordy's like, that's definitely Picard. So they tell Jordy that they need data and to go and, and get, you know, them control of the ship. He's like, Jordy says he can't risk that because Lore could get control. Picard says that before he mentioned there's a partition. And Jordy says, well, it's a good thing, or Laura might try to completely erase data. But Picard's like, well, can't they reverse it, raise the petition, and data erases Laura, and then they get control of the ship? Jordy says that data's ethical subroutine won't let him take a life of any kind. And then uh, Jordy's other daughter says that, you know, they're out of options. And then he says, well, it's, it's going to take some time. Jack says, well, I'll, I'll get you some time. So Jordy's like, okay, once we remove the partition, there's no going back. So then we see like in Data's mind, Lore's talking to him, you know, Lore and Data are both there. He's talking about how, you know, his friends are lowering the partition. He goes on and on about how Data is reminiscing about old things. Like, you know, he has his, his uh, Sherlock Holmes pipe in his hand or something like that. He's just collecting trinkets and it, it, like, he's like, in my mind, there would be more, you know, other stuff. That's so the partition's now gone. Data kind of starts flickering he's like what has you have you done lore says that he's overpowering him like he always could one life form replacing another and data's just like looking at him not not doing anything on the shrike rafi's you know scanning some stuff whatever she shows them jean-luc in a case like in a just like tube thing Worf says he's like don't worry it's not him it's just his former shell his biological body before he went positronic so this is what the changelings wanted from the daystrom station but it's not his body it was what was in it they removed portions of his parental lobe sections that were infected with the eremotic whatever syndrome thing They're like why would he want that so raffi downloads some info Worf tries calling the Titan, but there's like static. He's like, the comms are down. He's like, they've lost, lost control of the ship. Then an alarm goes off. Uh, Riker and Deanna's absence must have been discovered. So Vatic is told that the prisoners escaped. It's possible they have a cloaked ship nearby. It's like, of course, they'd automatically know that. Vatic decides it's time to demonstrate her impatience. Seven yells like, don't you dare. Then they hear someone in a turbo lift. And it's Jack. Baby boy. I was sure you declined my invitation. And he's like, oh, my mother taught me better manners than that. He's like, I even brought you a gift. 
he pulls out what kind of looks like a like a Star Wars thermal detonator. The computer's like, unknown device. The aliens, you know, they all draw, draw their guns or pointing at him. So uh, the others, they're watching, they're waiting to see if, uh, as, you know, Lore's devouring data. Inside, Lore's saying how he's consuming him. All his memories will just fade away. Data says it, but my memories define me. But, he, you know, he realizes that there's nothing he can do to stop him. Vatic says that um, she's confused. Does he think that that thing will kill her? And he's like, maybe, maybe not. But it'll sure, surely it'll kill me. And, you know, if they want him alive, so just let everyone go. And she's like, check, check, check. Like a jack in a box that's ready to pop, pop, pop. She tells her men that they've served her purpose, locked them in the other room. Jack nods at Shaw. And then Seven, you know, she's, she turns her back before the door closes. And then she, like, comes out. And Shaw's like, what are you doing? And she's like, accepting the consequences. Jack's like, you really should have gone. And she says that he really shouldn't have come up. So Jack tries drawing attention away and asks Vatic, you know, what she want. She's like, your gifts. He says that if she knows so much about them, he's like, tell me, flatter me. And she goes on and on about roaming from planet to planet, having all that isolation, the loneliness, life in service to others. He says that anytime she wants to get to it, you know, what she, you know, she's just rambling. She says that he's heard them, hasn't he? The voices, so many voices that she can help put the pieces together that, you know, give him answers. The choice is his. And she's like, are you not curious to see what's behind that red door? And, you know, that's what he sees in his vision. Seven's like, what's she talking about? Lore seems to be writing his own code. We see Data, like, holding a deck of card, saying that that represents all his memories, like playing pokers with his friends. He's like, these are yours now. So Lore seems a little confused. Picard tells Jordy that this looks like a surrender. Then there's a cat. He's like, this is Spot. So it's like by Data's feet, he picks him up. And he's like, this creature brought something out that I didn't know was possible. It taught me how to love. He's like, this is the, the best of me, the last of me. So then Laura takes Spot. Data kind of flickers some more. Laura grins. And then Data's gone. And Jordy's like, that's it. And because like on the scan, you can see like the just different colors. I think there's like red and blue or something or like white. So it's like it's all red. So it's all lure. Then lure looks at spot. Then he flickers. He's like, I f f feel what's happening. The, the the brain scan thing all turns to data's colors. He tells lure, lore that he, he knew the memories wouldn't be of significance to him, you know, since they were data's. So he would see them as trophies and be unable to resist. So he took the things that were him, and by doing so, he's becoming him. So they, he's like, we are one now. We are me. He embraces Lore. He's like, goodbye, brother. And Lore's like, goodbye, brother. Then Data like, opens his eyes, wakes up. They look at him. They're not sure like who he is. Jordy's like, Data? He's like, yes. Picard tells them that they need his help. The, the ship, he's like, say no more. They have comms back. They talk to Riker. Data tells, he talks to the whole ship. He's like, unwanted guest. I am implementing an immediate shift change. And then he's like, Jack Crusher, you are up. Rafi's like fighting aliens in a corridor. Jack goes by seven. Um, the sphere uh, turns out to be this like force field bubble that he's holding. 
he tells Picard, he's like, now. And then he's like, initiate bridge evacuation. Seven says, get off my bridge. And then Baddock's like, fudging solids. They get ejected out into space. So Vadix, you know, body's like spinning. Her, it's, her body's frozen just from the coldness of space. Starts spinning towards the Shrike. Hits it. Shatters into a ton of pieces. Seven presents the ship back to Shaw. And then he tells the commander, he's like, why don't you take this one? And he's like, she's like, give it everything we've got. Fire. They blow up the Shrike. Which I, Picard's body is still on there, maybe? I don't know. Maybe it doesn't matter. Worf and Rafi are bickering. You know, he's like, you did really well, but you're still, you know, throwing from your shoulder or whatever like that. She's like, what are you talking about? And then <laughs> Riker and Deanna come up. He's like, and you're scary <laughs> to Rafi, the way she was fighting and like killing everyone. Then Deanna gets a wave of something and almost like faints. She's like, there's a great darkness on the ship, an all consuming darkness. So is, is that Jack? They talk to Data. He says that he hopes that they'll accept him. You know, he's changed. He's already experienced death. But this, and he like kind of cracks his neck. He's like, oh, he's like, this is new. Jordy and Data check some out some like stuff. Then Data's like, I believe we're good here. Jordy says, Data, you just use a contraction. He's like, no, I didn't. Which he just did it again. He's like, Jordy's like, no, I clearly hurt. And they like laugh. Data's like, it appears I'm capable of using contractions now. And humor, too. I'm still Data, but also lore before B-4. All Dr. Soon programmed into this, this body. Then Jordy's like, well, tell me, how do you feel? He's like, I feel, I feel. Jordy's like, I hope you can feel how happy I am to have my friend back. And Data's like, I must say that despite my many changes, there is one constant that remains my gratitude for your friendship. So then the other CM, Deanna, hugs Data. Picard says, you know, the last time they spoke, he said he wished to experience death. He's like, as much as I am happy that you're here, I hope we haven't betrayed that wish. Data's like, no, sir. I know that me is resting peacefully. This me would rather be no place else in the universe. So they're all sitting around a table. Then they mention Frontier Days is is just hours away. They still don't have answers. They're analyzing the data pulled from the Shrike to see what they were trying to extract from Picard's body. Data interrupts. He's like, if I may, this is factual information that ignores an emotional truth. Deanna says that, uh, you know, one that she felt felt the moment that she set foot on the the vessel. Um, So whatever the changings have in store for Frontier Day, it deals directly with Jack. Beverly tells them about the vision and voices. Deanna says that there is a darkness about the boy, not in him, but around him, passing through him. The voice is ancient and weak, but it's a voice that isn't his own. She's like, I think it's time I met your son. So they sit across from each other. He's like a little reluctant to take her hands, but he finally does. So then, you know, her eyes kind of open wide and she's like, Jack, stay with me. Follow my voice. It's like, Jack, have you ever in your dreams or imagination, even while awake, have you ever seen a door? And he says, you need a red door. You know, it's a talking door. The door, he has no desire open. She's like, why? He's like, because I'm terrified of what's behind it. She's like, it's time to open that door, Jack. And he's like, no, no. He's like, I don't know if I can. And we see like, you know, some flickers of stuff, whatever. And she's like, we'll go together. She's like, you're not alone. 
So then they stand outside. He reaches for the knob and then there's a, a whisper voice, Jack, Eck, Eck, Eck. And that's where it ends. So like kind of like weird, whatever ending, but um, we'll see. So at least, a, at least Vatic is taken care of. Now she may not be dead since she's whatever, who, maybe she can form herself, but she's frozen. So maybe she can't, but uh, so, so annoying. That was, uh, yeah, so like I said, um, two more episodes, I think, now. And then that's it for the show. Okay, then the first movie feature, I'm not I'm not going to go too in-depth with this, uh, but I want to talk about the movie Tetris. So this, it, it stars uh, Taron Egerton. I, I love him. I think he, he's great. Uh, you know, in the, the Kingsman movies, uh, the Blackbird show, El, the Rocketman, the Elton John movie. He's just he he's he's amazing, and um, he this so his movie obviously is based off a true story. You know it it starts off in 1988. You know we we see a consumer electronics show, and we see uh, Taron Egerton Hank Hank H E N K Hank Rogers. He's trying to sell this game called Go. It's not doing well. Like his his booth girl's not there. He finds her. She's at this other booth playing this game called Tetris. So then he ends up playing it. So he tells his boss, this guy, kind of his boss or whatever, that you know he played it for five minutes. He's like, I can still see the falling blocks in my dreams. He's like, it stays with you. It's like poetry and math and perfect symmetry. It's a perfect game. So he ended up buying the rights for the game you know, because he used like his money, or whatever, for his game that wasn't really working. Because um, there's there's different like rights, different places. So he bought the money for Tetris in Japan or something like that. Because he's like, it's already a hit in in uh, Russia. So that's where things get a, a little dicey because it's you know it's it's Russian. This is in the 80s, you know, Cold War, all that stuff. So. There's a story about how it got licensed like a year ago, whatever, and stuff like that. So then um, also Hank went to Nintendo and he like fakes his way to talk to the CEO, shows him Tetris, whatever. Um, They offered him $500,000 to buy him out, but he told him no because he has a bigger vision. So he goes to his boss. He's like, he wants $3 million, you know, so he can do this. And he also wants to get like, you know, arcade rights because that's where there's like a, mud, a lot of money in that and stuff like that. So this um, this other dude ends up screwing Hank over because they, they sold their arcade rights to Sega because they're dealing with this, these guys in London. And uh, so he ends up going to... You know, he tells Sega like what happened, or he tells Nintendo what happened, but they may have another option. So he goes to uh, Nintendo Seattle. He has to sign this NDA, and then he gets to see the Game Boy. You know, it's like it before it's even announced, and they're talking about shipping it with uh, Mario Brothers because that's their biggest franchise. But then he suggests Tetris, and then he's like, "Well, is this coded in in C?" And they're like, "How? What's the pixels?" And it's like that. So he does some stuff on his his computer build or whatever and he's able to convert tetris to game boy um you know aspect and they they look at it he makes it work so he talks about getting the rights to handheld version so then you know he goes to london talks to people and then it's gonna end up where because he's kind of gets screwed a little bit again and then he's gonna have to go to russia to to try to get the rights because there are no handheld rights 
So he has to go to Russia, but there's like the KGB is involved because, you know, the game is a hit in Russia and the KGB obviously wants to get a piece of everything. And, um, and it just kind of goes from there and it's just kind of, kind of crazy and all that. Uh, just the idea of going to Russia in the eighties, like, cause he has to kind of lie to get there. Cause when he talks to his boss, he, and this other dude, you know, he's, he says that he's just going to go. He's like, you can't just go to Russia. You need to get, you know, apply for a work visa and all that. It's going to take months and everything. He's like, then I'll just go on, on a, like a visitor's visa. And they're like, so you're going to go and you're going to lie, which that's what, you know, he goes there as a visitor and he's going to try to, you know, find out where, you know, the people that have the rights and, and all that. And so, you know, crazy adventures and, and stuff, but, um, it's 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 just cool to think about it because it is it is a, an addictive game and as you know the, as this movie's been closer to coming out i'm like man i haven't played tetris in a while because you know i i played it on the game boy and, and other things and um there's something about it you know i tried pl- i playing it for a little bit like like a, a version on the phone wasn't quite the same and i i think part of it is is not having like the controls because you know there's obviously you don't have the buttons and the the control the control pad but as i think about it i was like i kind of want to play tetris but part of me also it's like oh i don't want to play tetris you know i i could dig out my my game boy advance and do and play it but that's probably not a good idea so there's something about and it's it's cool to you know see the story like how it came out because i didn't know anything i mean i knew tetris was a russian game but and i I know it was on the game boy but i didn't know how it came out and just that whole idea of like selling the rights and you know and licensing it out that that's like just this huge thing and it's just it's kind of it's it's interesting to see how it all plays out and just how this guy Hank, you know, he's just taking these big, crazy risks and everything. So there, there's, there's cool moments just, just seeing like the error and, and all that. And um, I'm sure some of it's exaggerated a little bit or whatever, but you know, whatever, it's fine. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a movie. So I would say, yeah, it, you should check this out. You know, if you've ever played the game or anything or care about the eighties and you know, it's, it's worth seeing how it, kind of played out and uh, if you have apple tv plus obviously you should you know take advantage of it and watch the movie so it was good you know it, it's it's not you know it, the movie's not necessarily going to blow you away or anything because it's, it's just a story about the game and you know there's not not as crazy you know it's it's not like a visually sp- spectacle of a film but it's it's a cool story to, to see because I, I never really thought about it you know and so yeah, I'm I'm glad they make it. and and Taron Egerton is is just great. So check out the movie. There's not much else to say. I know this is a super quick like recap, but I yeah I'm not gonna spoil the whole thing. Um, you should should watch it. Check it out if if you, and get you know if you're like well I don't have Apple TV Plus, it's worth checking out because you know give it a try. There's other things. You know, there's Ted Lasso, which I still haven't watched. I got caught up. Severance, I love Severance. Servant, for all mankind. There's there's so many cool shows on there and everything. So you should, you should give it a shot if you don't have Apple TV. And if you do it, watch the movie. So that's all there is to say about Tetris. And now the main movie feature, Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know what that was. Uh, so, Super Mario Brothers. Um, like many, I'm, I'm a big Mario fan. You know, I played, started playing, uh, you know, first played Mario on the NES and, you know, Super Nintendo and, and GameCube and, or Nintendo 64, GameCube, all that. Even, even a tiny bit of Mario Kart on the um, the Switch. I haven't played much of the Switch. Uh, my daughter has one. And um, so, yeah, I mean, there's something about the Mario games. You know, oh, did I mention Game Boy? Jeez, I spent so much time on Game Boy and, and those as well. So, you know, there's, there's something about the Mario Brothers games. I don't know what it is. You know, if, if you, if I had to choose like a platformer game, you know, I would always go with Mario. There's just something about it. Maybe it's combinations of just a different thing. You know, the mushrooms, the flowers and the stars. And there's just like so much variety, you know, and then going through the tunnels. And then I, I and the, the Game Boy, the underwater worlds. Oh my goodness. Um, there's just something, and the, the graphics, you know, they just get better and better, and just all the different, you know, Koopa Troopers and everything. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying not to think about the the 1993 movie. That that was that was pretty crazy. So we have a new movie. It looks really good. I thought I saw something where some people are commenting about the graphics. I don't know what it is when when this happens. It's like, am I just so like oblivious? Or do I get so absorbed that I miss out on any possible things that don't look as super cool as whatever? Some people are just so. I mean, again, compare this to the nineteen ninety three movie and see how much you you know have to complain about. It looks good. the The sound is good. The music is good. Um, you know, the whole thing. Chris Pratt is Mario. He's fine. I, I don't understand. Well, I guess the you know the reason he was cast is because Chris Pratt is a, a Hollywood name or whatever. So maybe they. I don't understand. It, it's not like, oh, I like this actor. He's voicing. This. I got to see this. You know, for me, maybe, maybe you know, I'm not the regular person. You know, you make a Super Mario Brother movie. I'm going to see it. It's not like uh, if they're going to make what's. What's something that I don't play? I don't know. It's not like if there's something that I was just like, eh, whatever. But just like, oh, wait, I really like this actor. This actor's voicing it. I'm going to watch it. I, does that happen? Are, are there people like, I'm a huge Chris Pratt fan. I will watch anything. Mario Brothers, what the heck is that? I've never played a video game in my life, but Chris Pratt is voicing this Mario dude. So I'm going to watch. Does that? I don't think that happens. I don't understand. I mean, with this movie, there's got a huge, you know, there's like so many, uh, you know, quote unquote, they're not necessarily voice actors. They're going with celebrity actors. I have a hard problem. Hard problem. I have a hard time with that. Or I have a slight problem with it. I think part of it is having interviewed so many voice actors. It's like, why, why are you hiring? Or, you know, why are you taking jobs away from voice actors? Because you know you got your on-screen actors, you have your voice actors, and and there is something about it. It's not the same thing, and it's so it's not like you can just say, "Oh, you are an amazing actor." Why don't you just do voice acting too? There, there's you have to act a little differently because I'm no expert, but when you're 
being a voice actor, you are only voicing with your act. When you're an actor, you act with your whole body. You know, you need to convey emotions. You do the expressions, the face, fake tears, whatever you have to do. But as a voice actor, you need to sell it all in your voice. And you have to have range. You have to have variety. You have to be able to change your voice and do all, you know, so there, there's a difference. Obviously, a lot of, of big screen, you know, big time actors are able to do it. Or maybe, I don't know if they're just that talented. I don't know if they, there's just some really good voice actors coaching them, telling us like, okay, now try it like this. Now try it like this. I don't know. But this movie, so we we got Anya Taylor-Joy, which I, I think she's amazing. I, I, I think she's great. Got uh, Jack Black. <laughs> He's in there. Um, <laughs> I'll say right now, I'm so out of, going out of order. Jack Black is Bowser. So, of course, there's not one. I think there's two moments where Bowser's playing at the piano singing because that is something that Jack Black likes to do and is supposed to be entertaining or funny. I don't care for it. So Bowser, why the heck is Bowser playing the piano and singing? So we have him, we got Keegan, Michael Key, we got Seth Rogen. There's just like all these, you know, big, they're not necessary voice actors. You have people voicing these you have voice actors that do these characters in the video games why can't you use them because they're not a household name i i mean are there people like i am a huge seth rogan fan i'm gonna see he's doing a voice in in mario okay i don't know the movie you know the movie was fun just because you know, if you, you like the characters, you know the characters. There's a lot of little like, I, I don't know if I would necessarily call them Easter eggs, but there's a lot of detail. There's a lot of callbacks to different things, different aspects. Like there's one part they're like in a pizza. I think it's a pizza restaurant, and someone in the background is playing Donkey Kong video game. Is it? It was Donkey Kong, right? That's with the barrels and the ladders going up. Yeah, that's regular Donkey Kong. I don't know why I'm just like, wait a minute. So, you know, you got just little things here and there. But the story is just... The story is Bowser is this, like, ruthless tyrant who just seeks out different worlds and just, you know, whatever, destroys them. This starts off destroying these cute, like, penguin kingdom. And uh, so what he wants to do is he, he apparently just wants to marry Princess Peach. And, you know, he's going to threaten to destroy Mushroom Kingdom if she doesn't marry him. That's that's the, the main thing. <laughs> so all this other stuff, it's like you see like the, the Mario Kart stuff, you see the Rainbow Bridge, all this stuff, just little insignificant things for, for this, this story. So it's just it's just kind of kind of nuts. So we see Mario and Luigi. They're plumbers. They just recently started their own plumbing service. They apparently uh, Mario worked for some other dude, Spike, and he was kind of a jerk, and so he wants to do his own thing. They're not very successful, you know, because they're just starting off. And then Mario, there's a the big leak downtown in Brooklyn or something like that. Mario sees like, oh, this is an opportunity because you know it's it's been happening for a little bit, you know, for a few minute hours i don't know so he's like if we go we fix that problem that'll be huge for us so they go 
they end up ending they end up going through this other section of the tunnels then they end up going through like a portal and it takes them like different places they get separated that's how mario ends up in the mushroom kingdom and it kind of goes from there but Bowser's so jealous, he finds out that Mario's there, so he's worried that Mario is like competition for Princess Peach's feelings. And he ends up getting a hold of Luigi, so he's like, Oh, I can, you know, use him as bait or whatever. So then Mario has to, you know, has to he's help Princess Peach defeat uh Bowser, capture or reclaim, rescue Luigi. And so forth. And along the way, they're like, well, we need help. So, like, what if we ask the the Monkey Kingdom or whatever they're called, uh, Donkey Kong and Crate Cranky Kong. And so there's a part where Mario and Donkey Kong have to fight. And there's, like, puzzle bo- or the, the whatever power boxes. And then that's when they're like, okay, let's get over to Mushroom Kingdom, whatever. Let's take shortcut let's go fast let's take the carts so it's it's really cool and all that <laughs> but then it's just leading to bowser saying oh princess you need to marry me or i'm going to destroy mushroom kingdom yeah and that's that's pretty much the story of the movie which is just <laughs> it's just crazy it like i said it I mean, it, it's worth seeing on the big screen because it just, it looks so good. And, you know, the sound is really good. But the story, I like, do I want to see it again anytime soon? I mean, I would see it like if my daughter wanted to see it. You know, she couldn't see it because she had too much like, homework for college. Um, I just, I, I am not in any rush to see it. I, I, I'm almost tempted as like, would I buy a physical, you know, release of it? Maybe only because I love Mario so much, but I didn't love the movie, if that makes any sense. So I don't know. It's just, it could have been better. Will there be a sequel? Do I want a sequel? I, you know, I, because I like the characters, I wouldn't mind one. Uh, the budget, I think, was a hundred million for this. And so far, I think it's made like 93 million. So it's off to a good start. And when I went, I went to, uh, I think it was a 4.30 showing and there were people taking kids. So at first I'm like, do these kids really know Mario? And I guess they do. There was one kid that he, he was with his mom. I think it was with his mom. And he had like a big stuffed Mario. So I was like, oh, that's so incredibly cute. I, I love that he's bringing his stuffed Mario with him to see Mario movie. I mean, that was just, uh, that really touched my heart. I think it's so sweet. But then there's like a bunch of other loud kids. Thank goodness they weren't loud during the movie. I do not understand. Parents, you take your kids to the movie. You have to explain to them. You do not scream and talk during a movie. You do not. They let them scream and laugh at. I've. I. There's been. I. I. This is a while ago. I just remember one time. It, it sits in my mind. There's a kid who was like kind of like fake laughing, like really loudly when he would hear like other people laugh. It's like, do you even know what you're fake laughing? What are you even doing? But yeah, so there's some loud kids, but whatever, you know, there's these two dudes, these two dads with like four kids, you know, they had all these kids and they're like, let's take a picture of all the kids to send to the moms or, you know, so, you know, it's, it's cute. It's whatever. 
But, oh, man. So when I was walking there, I'm like, okay, it's you know Thursday. The movie actually opened on Wednesday. I don't know when I bought my ticket, because I always go to the Thursday preview shows. I don't know if when I bought it on Thursday, there was no Wednesday showing, and then they switched it. Or maybe when I bought my ticket, I didn't realize that there was a Wednesday. I don't, even, I don't think there's a Tuesday showing. But as I'm walking at 4.30, getting, you know, like a little before 4.30, obviously, and then I'm like, I see some people, some moms with kids. I'm like, oh, no. It's like, there's kids going to this movie. This is technically like a kid's movie. Uh, but it, it wasn't that bad. I just don't understand, though, when parents let their kids just talk. It's like, there's all these other people who have paid money. They didn't pay money to hear your kid scream. Teach them some manners. <laughs> I'm so off topic. Because I don't, I don't, I guess I don't really have much else to say. Um, like before you know it, like the movie's over. Uh, <laughs> it's it's almost as if I fell asleep during the movie, and then all of a sudden it's at the end. It's like, wait, w- what's going on here? What happened? Oh man, maybe I should watch it again. But I think that's all to say. It's it's a good the audience Rotten Tomato score is high. Critics are like, eh. It has its moments. It's good. I gotta. I should end this this show. I think I'm just so like. I, speaking of sleep, I need to get some sleep now. It's this is really late while I'm recording this, so that is going to be it for this week. So Mario Super Mario Brothers, it's it's good, like just like that. It's good. It's good. It's not great. It's good. And and you guys are good for listening for putting up with this. So thank you. But with that, that is going to be yet another episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. Big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gman from heck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit to Rick Jones tier or higher, you get more podcasts, entertainment, 30 minutes every week. Comic books, movie talk, random comic book off of mind talk, and whatever you want. Maybe. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by... I feel like sometimes I talk and I'm just like skipping words. You can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanformheck and buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two. ko-fi.com slash gmanformheck. I know I skipped some words there. So what's going to happen... I think I'm just trying to make this outro as fast as possible. What is going to be next week? Next week is going to be Renfield. So Nicolas Cage, I cannot wait... Uh, this movie looks so wacky and uh, I'm looking forward to it. So that, that's going to be cool. Um, as far as TV, I don't, I, I would do this all the time now. I used to like be like ready and prepared and like, like I knew like dates and stuff coming. I don't think there's anything new coming up and there's nothing quite ending just yet, but we're wrapping up. We're getting close to wrapping some stuff up because, uh, uh, school spirits, I think still has, a couple more at least um so yeah you know i mentioned mandalore or not Mandalor- uh well mandalorian is probably getting close picard's getting close so we'll, we'll see but i don't know if there's anything else i feel like there's something else coming out um yeah maybe it's the following week i don't know but that is going to be it for this week i hope you are doing well um, I don't know if you are on spring break or not. Uh, I have spring break this week. Thank goodness, because I, I just feel like so. Over, you don't need to hear it. I'm just like so far behind, the barely staying afloat. So I just may I catch up finally. 
Um, but I hope you are doing well. I hope you have time to do fun things and I hope you're taking care of yourself. But just remember, someone could be having a really crummy day. You can make a huge difference. You know, just be, be nice to them. Just, just do something nice for them or whatever. Um, so just remember, be good to each other.